This week's episode of Talking Simpsons is brought to you by you. That's right, we're on Patreon now, so head on over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. For as little as $5 a month, you can help our show and get all kinds of great extra content on top of that. We've got a ton of great bonus content waiting for you right now, so head on over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons today. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where there's no need for obnoxious hooting and hollering. <laughs> hey, come on, what did I just say? I'm your host, pot smoking spendocrat Bob Mackey, and this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Uh Gilbert and Bob, you know I don't like controversy in this house. <laughs> and who else? Cartoon spokesperson Dave Rudman. <laughs> and today's episode is Sideshow Bob Roberts. Bob, jacking it up on the old jackpot. And today's episode aired on October 9th, 1994, and as always, well, actually not as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this day in history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! Uh, A new study reveals that there's a gender pay gap in women earning 75% of what men do at the same job. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, Steven Spielberg, and David Geffen announced plans to open their own movie studio. And songwriter Ray Hildebrand threatens to sue some asshole named Rush Limbaugh over his parody of his song, Hey Paula. Oh, wow. So, DreamWorks. Let's talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. How many of those men are still associated with... Is it DreamWorks SKG was the original, like, company name? Mm -hmm. And it was the big-name dudes like Steven Spielberg, duh, Mm -hmm. Hollywood mogul, uh, or one of the most creative people in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. David Geffen, formerly of Geffen Records, which had some of the biggest hit albums in Mm -hmm. U.S. history. And then Jeffrey Katzenberg, former boss uh, at uh, Disney, who got pushed out by Michael Mm -hmm. Eisner. Right. And who was the boy with the uh, oh, yeah. with, with the, the names? He's the boy in our hearts. I miss oh. the Amblin guy on the bike. Yeah, yeah, well now Amblin is back. If you see the uh, the wonderful trailer for Ready Player One, it, oh, it, it, no. Amblin logo is at the front. So uh, Spielberg is no longer part of DreamWorks, I do believe. DreamWorks got bought uh, by Viacom, was it not? So, so just K&G hanging around? Yeah, or, uh... I think they all cashed in, yes. I yeah. mean... As animation fans, DreamWorks is a love-hate relationship for us, but is very important to American animation history, undeniably so. I mean, as a kid, the idea of DreamWorks was amazing. Just mm-hmm. they could they could possibly do no wrong in all of these creative forces, but I guess they just ended up being an animation company for the most part. Pretty much that's that's their stuff that most succeeded, you know, like Spielberg would make films that were successful through uh, them, but it was it, uh, live action didn't really do so well for DreamWorks. Yeah, they, I think they it also was... tried to get into the games market too. But You're right, yeah, so well with like the Lost World PlayStation One game. I yeah. remember. <laughs> I do. I did. I feel like it was like one too many cooks in the kitchen uh, there with these mega egos battling each other for supremacy. I remember for like a decade straight, you'd get a, a story every now and then, like Steven Spielberg is going to make a video game. Like he'd never do it yeah. because yeah. making a video game would take him way more time yeah. than making a movie he could make a, a couple bo- yeah, yeah exactly metal, he did Medal of Honor I think but then he did Boom Blocks well I mean yeah. he, he was involved in Medal of Honor of just like we should have a video game yeah. version of Saving Private Ryan yeah. I'll be in these yeah. meetings 
see ya. And then he's just, and they made Omaha Beach. But yeah, we wouldn't have Medal of Honor. And then through that transitive property, we wouldn't have Call of Duty if we didn't have Medal of Honor. So I believe his game was uh, LMNO, the unreleased game yeah, he worked on. And uh, also, that. Peter Jackson never made the Halo movie. So what's up with yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Boom Blocks was the most. Steven Spielberg game we ever got. And Which it is was like such a monkey's paw thing. Like, yeah, I'll put my full effort into a game. A Wii game where you throw a ball out of block. And in yes. two years, it would be Angry Birds. Yes. It would uh, kind of yeah, borrow that it idea. It totally was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right off the bat, this is going to be a political episode. <laughs> and it's okay if you disagree with us. But if, if you feel like this is uh, shaky territory for you, please uh, listen to the next one. Because yeah. this episode has an agenda. It has an argument. It has a point of view. And we agree with it. I, I think in this room, we all mm-hmm. agree with what it's saying. Yeah, I would say so, too. It is a pretty... While they give stuff to left wing people, yeah. and and Quimby definitely takes his hits as a demi as a smellocrat, he <laughs> spendocrat as a spendocrat, yeah, and they're bleeding smell heart fair. smell <laughs> fair program. Despite all that, the Republicans are the bad guys in this, yeah. and this is not nice to Republicans, and I am fine with that. That's so. fine, yeah. I mean, it's only yeah. gotten much much worse in terms oh, of the yes. media landscape. Yeah. We'll go into more of this, I mean, but it's always easier to punch up, and mm-hmm. the Republican Party is mostly of. Or, I mean, the people who are pulling strings in the Republican yes. Party are the rich and You mean the leadership, powerful, not yes. Republican voters Yes, so not much. the people that they, um, yeah. <laughs> no, you mean the vampires in charge. Yes. The yes. literal uh, vampires in charge. Nosferatu is a member of the Republican Party. <laughs> but yes, uh, so the title of this episode is uh, based on the movie Bob Roberts, which yes. is a 1992 mockumentary directed and written by Tim Robbins based on an SNL sketch with the same character. I have never seen this movie. Looking into it, now I want to. There are so many great actors in this movie, and I I love what it has to say about politics based on the Wikipedia summary, but I mean, uh, I think it's lost the time, this movie. When is Bob Roberts, he, the character in the film, is a up-and-coming Republican uh, wannabe senator running for Senate, and it's it feels different in movies now of just like if you see a politician in a movie they sometimes won't tell you what their party is when it's like well they're one of two parties yeah but they won't call this guy it would just be like say in batman v superman you don't really know who holly hunter is Mm. a member of which party and she's just a tough talking southerner and i think they do that to be like well we don't want to offend people on either side she could be a dixie crat i mean there's so many other things batman v superman is offensive yes Uh, that's true too many jars of pee for my taste. <laughs> the, the pee given to that senator. <laughs> and they, they literally blow up Congress in that. But anyway, so yeah, this definitely has a stance, especially that, too, it is a lot about specific events in then current and also actually hmm. then not current political history in yeah. America. So if you don't know American politics either, if you're one of the lucky listeners who doesn't live in America, <laughs> God uh, bless you. But no, there'll be some stuff in here probably that you won't get or that, that yeah. that's why we're going to explain it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about Watergate, obviously. But there's also a lot of stuff I picked up on the first time about the 1988 election, presidential yes. election. So ah. many spe- very specific things oh, calling yeah. out uh, debate questions and commercials. We'll get into those and we'll play the commercial <laughs> in this episode. I think will be very yeah. informative for you guys. And uh, by the way, this had the shortest opening in all That's Simpsons amazing. history. That's amazing. Yes. 10 seconds. It is 10 seconds. Made for the this Simpsons. episode. Boom. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. You go and, through the, the letter in the Simpsons. Is it the O or the P? I forget. Uh, yeah, I think it's the O. It's the O. And then you're at the TV and, and it, it all starts. And well, the TV section is even shorter yeah. than usual. Yeah. Legally, they have to show who cre- is the created by credit, yeah. uh, created and developed by. So they have to show that. Otherwise, they cut out everything else, which... I'm so glad they did because I wouldn't want to lose a second of yeah. this episode. It is one of my top 
five we have re-explored on this. It's so I, densely packed and still timeless, even though it is yeah. very tied to very dated yeah. subject matter. Yes. Yeah. Now, before we get to our first clip, I do feel like we kind of have to explain who Rush Limbaugh is. Oh, boy. Because... because Rush Limbaugh's equivalent, Birchibald T. Barlow, Birch Barlow, is there from second one in the Mm -hmm. episode. So if you don't, if you're lucky enough to not know who Rush Limbaugh is, he has been, he is a radio professional of almost 50 years at that point. He got to start at 16. Wow. And, uh, but it wasn't until the 80s in the Fairness Doctrine Falling Mm -hmm. Down era, which we talked about on 302010 recently, that he was able to be more political. And what he especially <laughs> was political is he's a hardline conservative who gets a lot of play out of making fun of liberals. And he, and boy, did he find the best. Him and the Clintons were made for each other. <laughs> they really were. Per- especially him and Hillary. Like, I mean, he found a really good place in AM radio where it's like, I want to buy four hours a day of this programming. Mm-hmm. And also, I will talk to no one but myself. Yes. That way, no one can disagree with me. <laughs> well, and everybody yeah. that follows yeah. after his pattern is directly copying what he did. Yeah, there are absolutely. so many conservative commentators that are just basically the Rush Limbaugh of now, even though Rush mm-hmm. Limbaugh still exists and is still yeah. doing his thing. Guys like Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, not only do they follow in his footsteps on Fox News. Even Alex Jones. And Alex Jones. But when they all got when when those three guys got popular enough on Fox News, they all just launched their own radio show because that's what Rush did. And you know, the real money's there. Like there's a reason Rush isn't on TV and stayed on the radio. He, according to Wikipedia, he is worth at least $500 million. Wow. I believe And that's it. after five divorces, by the way. <laughs> and like, as much as I dislike the man, and I, I, I listened, I hate listening to him <laughs> so much when I when I still drove my car. I, I would, hate listened a number of times. Yeah, but I will say he is extremely talented. To keep yeah. up that amount of energy when there is no one else on your show is an astounding mm. feat. When you're talking to no one but yourself and having yeah. to create content every day for three to four hours. As a professional podcast, Also, drugs help that. A lot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> As a professional podcaster, I can't not have respect for his abilities. There'd be a lot more Rush Limbaugh imitators if it was easy to do, and it isn't easy. It like, is not, no. He talks alone by himself. He is a very good broadcaster in that he is entertaining and can keep your attention. If you hate listen, if you're if you're a dumbass kid who read Al Franken's book about how Rush Limbaugh sucks and then you put it on the radio to shout at your radio and be angry all the time <laughs> like I did yeah. when I had a car 10 years ago <laughs> uh, 12 years ago I would do that but there's fewer people you could say like this guy made America worse like this guy really made America yeah. worse. And he was being parodied all over the place in popular media I mean like SNL and everything like that. I remember an episode of Beavis and Butthead where they went on his TV show. He had a short-lived TV show. He, he turned out to be too hateful for television. Wow. So his TV show ran for two years and was syndicated and produced by Roger Ailes. Oh, great. Yep. I'm sure in between his many sexual harassing of people, he was just like, Wait, hey, he's dead show. now, right? He's quite dead. He tripped Thank on a you. beach and he died of shame. <laughs> yeah, yep. Good. good. <laughs> he's dead now, so it's yes. okay. Rest in peace in hell. Yeah, he's in hell now. It's yeah, okay. If, if that were to exist. But yeah, so he's it's also something like Rush. Rush did not invent the term feminazi, but he absolutely promoted it and made it a word people say that they still fucking say. Yeah. It's the worst. I like mean, in this episode, they did their homework. It absolutely. is a pitch-perfect parody down, down yeah. to the way he talks, down to his golden microphone, wow. down to the classic rock intro to his show. Yeah. Yep. They know what the Rush Limbaugh show is all about in 1994. Also, like, a really, like, a it's not Rush Limbaugh guest starring, so he looks slightly different, but it's, like, a really good look compared to guest stars, which are all, yeah. all like, it's often, like, this is, like, a weird bastardization 
of one of the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. but this is like it looks like him, but it's also he looks like he lives in the Simpsons yeah. universe. Well, Very much so. Harry yeah. Shearer is so good as Birch. He like, is it's a some great, of the best yes, he's yeah. ever done. And just the little pauses that he did to shake his papers, yeah. which you hear all the time on the show. If you listen to Rush, you're like, oh, he's reading his notes, pausing mm-hmm. to read his notes. And yeah, if there's one thing, like, you know, if you don't like Rush Limbaugh, yeah. you can, you know, be happy that, like, he's in constant pain. He is mostly deaf, thanks in part to his drug addiction to painkillers. And again, multiple mm. times divorce, unhappy in love, and just like, okay. But yeah, uh, he, he but, really sucks. Like, I know I don't want to get people <laughs> on my case of saying, like, you wish somebody dead. Like, I don't. No, it's your dead, but boy, he sucks. He's so bad. And he didn't go away. Nothing. He never no. went away. He spent the entire Clinton administration going like, these Clintons, they don't believe in nothing. <laughs> then he goes like, our president should do whatever he wants when he's George Bush to going, oh, we're supposed to pat him on the back because he's black with Obama. And now I don't really, Trump was on his show. I'm I am certain he is a fan of Trump. Oh, but, sure. Uh, yeah. And I mean, he got kicked off of uh, commenting on Monday Night Football, too. Yes. Yeah. For within, racial reasons. Within, within wow. weeks, because he's yeah. just like, everybody wants this black quarterback to succeed, but he's just not good. Of just that, one, he gets to be racist, but then say like, no, no, no. Everybody else is being reverse racist to giving this <laughs> black guy a chance he doesn't deserve because he's not as good. Man, Even Dennis, Dennis Miller's uh, exactly yeah, yeah. His, his career as a commentator yeah. uh, very long. Dennis Miller uh, lasted a lot longer than Rush Limbaugh. It was, it was incredible. I, I hate to play Rush, but I do think the listeners should know this is Rush in 1994. So when this episode aired, this is how Rush sounded then. This is actually on C-SPAN. You can watch this whenever uh, you want because C-SPAN no, filmed an entire three hours of his show one day to show yeah, what it's that like. That was a weird thing in the 90s. Like, you could watch all of Imus in the morning <laughs> live! Yep. Why would you bother? <laughs> this man seems like a mummy of some sort. <laughs> so, this is Rush reading off his uh, Rush Limbaugh commandments. Let's see how many of the 26 we can sit through. Oh, my. 26? Oh, no, no. <laughs> there is a distinct singular American culture, rugged individualism and self-reliance, which made America great. Number two, the vast majority of the rich in this country did not inherit their wealth. They earned it. They are the country's achievers, producers, and job creators. Number three, no nation has ever taxed itself into prosperity. Number four, evidence refutes liberalism. I haven't heard him in a long time, actually. And thinking about Harry Shearer's performance, it's so it's It's so perfect. perfect. The pauses, uh, not in this clip, but just the the uh, literative or or poetic self-aggrandizement, where it's like the twenty first, yeah, just like going into all these things about why he's great. And that's basically Rush just reading off a list of reasons of like this is going to troll these liberals. They won't like us hearing that, and and I didn't like hearing that, especially the one of the vast majority is like fine. You can maybe think of three. Rich guys who inherited money from their dad, but the rest are self-made Ayn Randian businessmen. <laughs> like, but I mean, I, I don't think it's a controversial statement to say Rush Limbaugh sucks. I, at least I Absolutely. hope not. Absolutely, no, I don't think so either. So we start, and it turns out KBBL changed their broadcasting. I guess yeah. Bill and Marty are gone. It's all talk radio now. No sports, no rock, no information for mindless chatter. We're your station. KBBL Talk Radio, and now Springfield's favorite conservative and author of the well-selling book, Only Turkeys Have Left Wing. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, Birch Barlow. Ugh, that Barlow's a right-wing crackpot. He said Ted Kennedy lacked integrity. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, switch the station. I consider myself politically correct, and his views make me uncomfortable. 
No, 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 guys. Now, I'm not very political. I usually think people who vote are a bit fruity. <laughs> but for some reason, this Birch Barlow really speaks to me. Bob and I both did the finger motions yeah. when Homer says fruit. Very David Silverman. I mean, this is a Mark Kirkland episode, but I feel like David Silverman's finger motions rubbed off on everybody. Yes. And also, Homer thinks people that vote are gay. Yes, that's, that's fruity. Anybody who would vote is gay. <laughs> that are fruity. And that uh, I like that Carl is full on like, this guy's a crackpot. Well, meanwhile, Lenny's just like, that nobody self-identified as politically correct. Yeah. Right. So that, that Lenny is interested in that. and uh, They start off with a joke that is hitting both sides. So. Yeah. Ted Mocking Ted Kennedy is lacks worthwhile. Like, yeah. that, that he lacks integrity. <laughs> I also, this first time I caught it, the description of Birch's book as well-selling, um. I, that is a very specific distinction because a best-selling book actually is like it means a certain amount of sales or placement on a chart so using the term well-selling would mean you didn't make those charts but they want to imply it though that's not exactly fair to rush because his books sadly sold very yeah, very well they had very trollish names like see i told you so yes, things like that like only turkeys have left ones. yeah and and, and, uh, and actually i'm talking critic so in the 19 in the 1990s pc meant specifically like let's avoid topics that could make us uncomfortable not yeah. let's it was not a specifically leftist thing where it's just mm. like oh the left wants things to be pc <laughs> it was just like in general non-encompassing thing like let's not talk about slavery or this or that yeah. like and i think that's what lenny is is mentioning in his talk of pc he just culture. doesn't want to talk about controversial things at work yeah. which it's funny because after uh probably people who hate me being political on this show will think it's funny that after the uh, during the election last year i could not have been more political of work of just like screaming <laughs> and i was just like it but i feel like i'm safe at a san francisco office of complaining about trump i don't you think, should be i don't think people are going to disagree with me but then the the match cut to homer and yeah. birch both eating an entire box yeah. of both big like, fat loud mouths yeah Rrr. and uh, yes then birch birch really takes it to those spendocrats good morning fellow freedom likers birch barlow the fourth branch of government the 51st state you know, there, 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 there are three things we're never going to get rid of here in Springfield. One, the bats in the public library. <laughs> Two, Mrs. McFeely's compost heap. <laughs> and three, our six-term mayor, the illiterate, tax-cheating, wife-swapping, pot-smoking, spendocrat, Diamond Joe Quimby. Hey, I am no longer illiterate. <laughs> now, why are we doomed to this Quimby quagmire, you ask? Oh, reasonable listener. Because this town is under the stranglehold of a few tie-dyed pre-huggers who would rather play hacky sack than lock up the homeless. <laughs> oh, so great. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's like, that is perfect. That is perfect rush. Just like the, the pauses. And uh, uh, when are we going to get rid of the... And, and, and they say that his presentation of liberal strangleholds like that, that is all Rush was about. That he just said, like, <laughs> yes, somehow there are these hippies who own, <laughs> who control everything, and that they won't let you have fun stuff. It's like, that is that is a crazy conspiracy. Yeah, yeah it's that, interesting to see him framed as a, a Springfield celebrity, not a na national yeah. celebrity. He's a Springfield-specific guy. He's talking about very specific Springfield things at yeah. the beginning there, which I forgot. Yeah, I, I, I wish Mrs. McFurley would come back. Yeah. She, she kind of just morphed into the crazy cat lady. Yeah, yeah. I think so. She was the proto-cat lady. And the compost pile was... I guess they already had the tire fire, but the tire fire is more of a staple. Than yeah, no yeah, one actually the owns the tire fire. It's part of the. It's part yeah. of us all. Quimby part of us all. Quimby takes, uh, Quimby takes yeah. credit. For I 
and by the way, episode. like that I've seen this episode so many times and didn't realize. Well, when I was a kid, I w- how would I have noticed that he's actually watering a pot, a plant. pot plant? Yes. Yeah. No, I didn't get that either as a kid. Yeah, it seemed like, like it was very clearly those are the the pot leaves. Yeah. I thought like is the joke that he should. He's doing this while he should be doing his job as mayor. I don't get it. He's sprung in a closet. So, but uh, also, I don't care. Quimby recognizes, like, yeah, that is me. But that he also, (laughs) his only thing is that he's no longer illiterate. But like. (laughs) I don't care if he is a wife swapper or smokes pots. <laughs> like, that's fine with me. But being illiterate, that dr- that crosses the line. Yes. So up next, we have Lisa listening to the Birch Barlow show as part of a special school project. And Bart has a special school project of his own that Marge quickly <laughs> douses with water. I just love that. Like, uh, uh, fireworks. Like, I wish you wouldn't do that. Another one of those things that's for the audience. Like, yes. Bart should not be stammering and, and delaying his, his response his for Marge. delay makes it sound fake. And so he fails the Chinese principals yeah. who are... Yeah. There embarrasses Skinner, gets an yeah. F, and just the the bad principle. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say uh, the authenticity of Cantonese mm. is a very Oakley and Weinstein uh, thing because in I Marge goes to, to jail yeah. or Marge uh, is it Marge goes to jail or Marge on mm. uh, yeah Marge goes to jail. That's yeah, Marge and Chain. Marge and Chain. They authentically reproduce Hindi, right? That's mm. right. Yeah. And in this episode, they authentically reproduce Cantonese with Gung Hai Fat Choi, mm. which means wishing you great happiness and prosperity. I will say the guy saying "despray" is not so great now. <laughs> But at least they went as far as to learn the actual Cantonese for that expression that's true i uh, it, it is uncomfortable that like the yeah the, the changing of l's and r's is a very mm. american it's, it's a very easy joke to make uh, racist thing to do yeah but i mean it is like as someone who has studied mm. japanese l's and r's are interchangeable mm. so true, it's, yeah it's not a thing that doesn't happen but to put it in a comedy is, is for the fact of like it is a joke you are laughing at to mm. laugh at people who speak differently than you right. that's that's what right. i don't like about it. but yeah the, the an assemblage of chinese principles <laughs> yes <laughs> they just came and though all those fireworks like were indoors they be indoors. on the yeah. stage yeah or i i would hope that he was going to take them outside and then do the fireworks yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like, it was like a small burlap sack of fireworks so who knows where they would have been <laughs> yeah and so then lisa is still listening to it with homer but she's sick of it uh, there's the great exchange of her driving the car and getting to listen to what she wants, which is the St. Elmo's yes. Fire song. Right, from the movie St. Elmo's which Fire. Which is the Brad Pack yeah. classic. I'm sure at that point it was a joke like, who remembers this song? Mm-hmm. But nowadays it's kind of more of a timeless joke because like 80s nostalgia is still there whereas like they could have picked something from the mid 90s that would just be like nobody remembers this yeah like two princes or something oh that'd be even better Uh, on the commentary dave merkin bemoans that he's like felicia should listen to better music (laughs) almost fire but uh, it's also like like, she's she's still a kid so like she's not gonna have like deep musical taste but like hey this movie that features hunks Mm. That's true, though I think it would be more fitting like that she'd be listening to very obtuse mm. jazz and that yeah. that would be yeah. boring to Homer. The it's a great smash cut, though, of yes. her, like, her driving and that song playing at the same time. It's funnier to hear St. Elmo's Fire than just any old jazz yeah. while she's driving the car. And also, in Lisa's rival, Bart was driving, remember? Yes, they almost true. ran over Grandpa. Well, <laughs> Bart held was just holding the... Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> How did Lisa's uh, feet reach the pedals is my question. Tr- yeah, I don't know. We should ask. I We should mention this is an Oakley and Weinstein classic like one oh, of their sure. all time greatest and they are big time political junkies and so they do extra great work on this end and yeah that there was technically not a season 5 sideshow bob episode that really so, let me down yeah but this man oh man when i was a kid <laughs> and heard kelsey grammer's voice i didn't see the commercials for this one so i didn't know it was a bob episode 
when I heard his voice the first time, I was like, oh, this is a Sideshow Bob episode! <laughs> Sideshow Bob! <laughs> Alright, my friends, let's go to the phones. First up is Bob from South Springfield. Welcome to you, sir. Hello, Birch. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Kudos for bringing the public back to the Republican Party. It's high time people realized we conservatives aren't all Johnny hate mongers and Charlie Bible thumps or even, God forbid, George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Sideshow Bob. Yes, ma'am. Sideshow <laughs> Bob. Yacking it up on the old jackpot. <laughs> Dad, I'll spare you the embarrassment of admitting you don't know who Sideshow Bob is. Phew. Sideshow Bob used to be Krusty the Clown's sidekick. But in 1990, he framed Krusty for armed robbery and Bart got him put in jail. Uh-huh. When he got out, he married Aunt Selma and tried to murder her. Oh, Sideshow Bob. <laughs> that Side 1990 show. mention is weird. Because yeah. it definitely it kind of puts it in a weird like chronology where like that was four years ago, yeah. but everyone's the same. No, and Lisa, Bart you would have been four. Yeah, when <laughs> Bart was six and Lisa was four yeah. and Maggie shouldn't exist... That's when it happened. It's it's an odd choice that they have her say 1990 yeah. instead of like Inside Show Bob did this, but they they don't. It's it's still rare to see clips in a non clip show yeah. episode too. But they they do need that all set up. They they say it on the commentary too that they just gave up eventually. Like look, we don't have to explain who Sideshow Bob is. You're either on <laughs> yeah. board for a Bob episode or you're not. But or otherwise, welcome to Sideshow Bob Town. Yeah, and that that Homer who. If only you think about Cape Fear, Homer should remember, like, I was dr- uh, no, I was tied up and kidnapped <laughs> by Sideshow Bob. On a house- we had to move to a houseboat yeah. because of Sideshow Bob. And become the Thompsons. All yeah. this because of Sideshow Bob trying to murder my son. No, I do love he has that same blind spot for Bob that uh, Mr. Burns has for him. Yeah. 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 And it's such great line reading on his recollection of, like, oh, Sideshow Bob. <laughs> There's another side blank Bob character. So... Guys, Dr. Demento. Let's wait, get into wait, Dr. Before, Demento. Okay, I, I did sorry. want to say, sorry, the H.W. Bush bit. Yeah. Just him saying, like, or God forbid, George Bushes. In 1994, George H.W. Bush was seen as a one-term yeah. loser. A joke. And a total joke. And He couldn't get into Mr. Burns' party. Yes. <laughs> though this also, speaking of timing, like, literally two weeks after this episode is the Republican Revolution when the Republicans take back the House. It was an entire pendulum shift Mm. after Clinton won. The Republicans rode that wave to a ton of new control. It's the Newt Gingrich contract oh, for America, yes, or yeah. with America, I forget. Yep. God, Newt Gingrich. <laughs> he sucks. He's still around, so, yeah. still a lizard. We can only hope that such a thing will happen in 2018, but for Democrats taking shit back from the Republicans. And, okay. But, sorry, I just wanted to say, like, wait, why is this guy saying George Bush is, like, I thought Republicans would like George Bush. That's the explanation. I'm excited about Dr. Demento because I experienced yeah. <laughs> him in his, I won't say heyday, but when he was still relevant. Uh-huh. So, for I'm, I'm from uh, Eastern Ohio. In Pittsburgh, there was a radio station called Funny 1540. It wasn't around very long. Can you imagine Does an AM era? Go all that way? What's that? Does it go to 15? It goes to 1540 in the wow. AM dial. Wow. So, can you imagine an era in which an entire radio station could be a novelty uh, music an station? Entire novelty station. Wow. And That's, I never. A, a schoolyard chum of mine got me into Funny 1540, and <laughs> it was around just long enough. It became a religious station just long enough yeah, for me to get into Doctor Demento and the Funny Five. He had an entire radio show that would just uh, air novelty songs, right? Mm-hmm. And he actually broke Weird Al. I think another one rides the bus was how Weird Al got into the public <laughs> yeah. consciousness. For our generation, or at least for me, that's how I was introduced mm-hmm. to Dr. Demento. I never listened to Dr. Demento, yeah. but if you watch, you know, an interview with Weird Al, like, how did I come? How did he get to be 
here. He would tell the story that he was one of those dorks who listened to Dr. Demento. Oh, yeah. And sent him his music. And, like, yeah, another one rides a bus was his first big one, which he'll even say, like, the acoustic sonic suck. He recorded it in a bathroom. In a bathroom right? with, like, the percussion is a friend, like, hitting a tub. Like, yeah. that's not... Uh, that's... He gave us Weird Al, but he also popularized tons of other people, like Spike Jones, Not that one. Oh, yeah. One. And, J-O-N-Z-E-S? Not yeah. Z-E, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so in... I would say the spring of 94, I was way into Dr. Demento, and, in fact, I bought his 20th anniversary uh, cassette compilation, two cassette wow. tapes, and it got me into things like Barnes & Barnes and Frank Zappa, Stan Free. Berg, all of these things. Even Jim Backus had novelty songs <laughs> in the day. And I was so into it. So just seeing this on, on TV was like, oh my god, they're referencing something I know. And the Funny Five was his like, top five countdown of the best novelty songs of that of that time. <laughs> so I remember uh, Down With V.E.G. instead of Down With O.P.P. <laughs> so you're Down With V.E.G. like every last Hindi. So uh, no, yes, I, uh, I mean, I feel like Dr. Demento is lost to time. I think in the early aughts, he stopped being on the radio and started mm-hmm. doing streaming and I think his show is still around. He's still alive. And From he's my a- research, he's still alive and still uh, streaming his stuff online. But- and he's immortalized as Dr. Retarded on the Mr. Show uh, parody <laughs> yeah. uh, Monster Parties, right? Monster Parties is one of their best sketches ever. And making fun of Dr. Demento is totally fair. Yes. But, but as a fan, I was like, come on, he's just a nice old man who <laughs> wants to share silly songs. You don't have to be this mean to him that he's a that he's a sad old loser and his mom's a part uh, still living with his mom. But Bob Odenkirk uh, dressed up in the top hat and tuxedo <laughs> and the white beard is totally the Doctor Demento look. Yes, and the so. way he talks like yeah, the monster party was very <laughs> and he squeaks the little thing. Yes, yeah, so yeah, but it sounds like the trauma of radio stations. A little bit. That's not a bad yeah. way of putting it. But yes. uh, that he's and that I don't know what he did to make Bart his uh, mortal enemy. <laughs> That's but, a big uh, question. Like, yeah. why is Dr. Demento Bart's mortal enemy? But yeah, like for guys like Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein who love Mad Magazine, Dr. Demento probably was a huge influence for their comedy. So totally. I, I know that's why they built him into the show. And he did the voice. He, he did his he own voice up. in the yeah, show. That was that was the Dr. Demento. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think actually that 20th anniversary thing you mentioned, that might be when I was first really introduced to Demento because I think that special got replayed on Comedy Central some or just oh, like, okay. the re, like the the celebration of him which is was a great way as a kid who didn't grow up with him to be told like here's why he matters or here's why Dr. Demento matters and he does matter like he's he is important in American comedy even if he's like I like that he's an old, old cornball and mm-hmm. my my mom was a huge Dr. Demento fan she was pleased with this more than me she loved Dr. Demento I mean I think if Comedy Bang Bang Scott Ackerman had his druthers he would be the next Dr. Demento. I think that's all he wants in life is to be a Dr. Demento character. Uh, So then we get a quick introduction of uh, the power the elderly hold over... (laughs) He wants... I don't have that clip because we'd have this episode will be triple length. Oh I'd yeah, have, we'd just be pausing every second. But the that they say like give, give us what we want or we'll ride you out of town <laughs> on a rail. And then also on top of Matlock, they love yeah. sleep and sexy dame yes. and plenty of elderly yes. Jewish man's uh, yes. election. But just I, I love how Jasper goes sleep. 
<laughs> and that he, I also like that when he says the Matlock Expressway, assistant thinks of it beforehand yes. that he's already writing Matlock. He's like, oh, the, uh, Matlock. Mm. Yeah, the, anything Matlock related. Did, did this replace the Michael Jackson Expressway? Is what I want to know. Oh yes, yeah. Seen in Dog Lama. of Death. Yeah, formerly the Dalai Lama Expressway. Oh right, become yeah. the Michael Jackson yeah. Expressway. And I think it's now in all the video games and all the uh, other that, things. That's that it's right. not called the Matlock Expressway. That's right. How legally do they get away with that? It uh, could be any Matlock. Yeah. Uh, but of course there's old people jokes in an Oakley and Weinstein script. Yes, that the yes. gripe at the mayor night. Yes, but uh, but okay, then Sideshow Bob then has... Uh, it's hard not to have every Bob clip in here because he is on oh, fire he's so great in this, in this episode. I, yeah. I love this so much. Now you mentioned some woes there. Well, you see, Birch, I'm presently incarcerated. <laughs> Convicted of a crime I didn't even commit. <laughs> Attempted murder. Now, honestly, what is that? Do they give a Nobel Prize for attempted chemistry, do they? Oh, really? Now, this is a personal call. <laughs> uh, my, my, my friends, isn't this just typical? Another intelligent conservative here, railroaded by our liberal justice system, just like Colonel Oliver North, Officer Stacy Kuhn, and cartoon spokesperson Joe Camel. He has an autographed picture of Joe Campbell. Yes, which, which which would imply the cartoon exists in the world, and he hung out with him, or that he just yeah. went to an event. And but he's uh, though I call bullshit on that just because Rush Limbaugh and Birch are cigar fans. They are not cigarette smokers. They, You're right. They smoke yeah. cigars like like the coolest of guys who smoke <laughs> cigars all the time. They're not compensating for anything. No, certainly not. And uh, Bob becoming Birch's pet project as a political mm-hmm. prisoner is a very that's what those fuckers do. It's what's it's what lots of people do across political stripes. There's now there are hashtags. It'd be hashtag sideshow, but justice yeah, for yeah. Bob or whatever. Exactly. But at this time, it's him calling for it uh, with on his radio yeah. show. But all right, let's go over those names there first. Well, lastly, we talked about Joe Camel, but in case you didn't know, that spokesperson existed from 1987 to 1997 right. to advertise cigarettes to. Uh, cool young people how but, young that's the question my question is how can Joe Camel exist in the world with menthol moose yeah, from true. Laramie Cigarettes yeah. just like how Smartline and Nightline exist in the same <laughs> universe in The Simpsons now Damn it, you're right yeah, yeah. Uh, but so he was at the time in 1994 he was still he was quite controversial a very long lawsuit uh, from actually the state of California against Joe Camel of trying to say like you're doing this to advertise yeah. to children you want kids to buy cigarettes because right. they are dying out and you can literally trade in their cartons for jackets and shit like yeah that. <laughs> and and you have this cartoon character doing fun stuff and having things on it and i hadn't looked at a picture of joe camel in a million years i was like this is a dick yeah. like yeah. this is a flaccid penis resting on top of balls <laughs> look this up the uh, tv funhouse bit joe kamal joe kamal <laughs> from the tv funhouse uh, uh comedy central series yes. not the snl run it it was it was what if pokemon was a show for joe camel but then <laughs> it really was just about like sex organs as pokemon wow. it's it's very complicated but so funny it's so ahead of its time too joe kamal uh but yeah so by 1997 it looked like Joe Cam- the Camel mm. cigarettes were going to lose a lawsuit, so they settle with California. 
pay millions of dollars, which go all to anti-smoking advertisements. Never and, work. And then they just changed it to the Camel brand cigarettes is just a non-anthropomorphic just picture it's of a like camel. like pyramids or whatever. Yeah. Like a camel yeah. in front of pyramids, yeah. right? which is just kind of boring. And it's But but I do know that, uh, I'm sorry, Chris is not here this week, but he would tell us uh, his experience as a camel smoker mm-hmm. and that he was he was a camel oh, man. So uh, it worked on Chris. Well, I don't know if he, start, if he started after 1997, maybe it wasn't Joe Camel that got him. But, I mean, as uh, a kid, I thought the cartoon was cool, but I, I thought smoking was gross. Yeah, so I, I just would like smoke collect like the little like uh, matchbooks or whatever with Joe Camel yeah. on them. But <laughs> and I, and I know kid, kid, I knew that it wasn't yeah. cool to smoke. Bad, Too many cartoon characters told me to not do it. <laughs> exactly, it did work on me. Yeah. Just like Dare, which is coming back, baby. Oh yeah, what a great. All right, but so the other two names, Oliver North, Oliver North. We did cover Oliver North a little bit in I Didn't Do It episode. The luckiest son of a bitch on the planet. But uh, when Homer <laughs> says, like, Oliver North was just poured into, into the uniform. <laughs> but Oliver North illegally sold mm. weapons to Iran and then used that money to extra illegally fund Contras in Nicaragua to overthrow. Uh, by, by the way, if you think America loves democracy, you should see what happens to democratically elected people who don't like America. Yes. Uh, and, and you, see how, you see how much we enjoy democracy then. Look at the history of who we've propped up for uh, yep. money yeah but uh, but no we, america loves democracy and we're the greatest but and oliver north is the lucky bastard who like didn't mm. didn't do one day of jail time for what he did and and now is just still he got to have fucking fox news shows like he'll be yeah. famous forever so he was not railroaded by the liberal justice <laughs> system even worse like oh. it flies right by and I didn't know in 1994 mm. who Stacy Coombs I didn't know was. until this recent viewing when I look it up. Mm. I, I feel like his name was probably thrown around a lot. But even as a kid mm. who was yeah. following Rodney King and all those other scandals, I was just like, who is this guy? Yeah, so in case you don't know, the Rodney King beating and then the subsequent trial. And, and riots. And non-guilty verdict yeah. and L.A. riots that happened in the early 90s. I think from 91 to 92. Mm-hmm. Rodney King uh, was a man pulled over by the police who was then like brutally beaten clearly in in, in in to do more than arrest a man and sadly for those police officers they got filmed while doing it so they oh. weren't that'll so, never happen again right no but so they must be in trouble right but an all-white jury somehow finds them not guilty <laughs> who'd have uh, thunk it but then the federal court system actually retries them all the people including the lead officer in it was Stacy Kuhn. Mm. And in two his, really unfortunate names. Yeah. Yes. That's all I'll say. Yes. And and Stacy actually did was found guilty in that one and was sentenced to 30 months in jail which he did serve it was actually higher but then they're like but he's gonna be a cop in prison it's gonna be really hard for him it's just like <laughs> oh. i think prison's probably pretty hard for lots of people so <laughs> the stance of like prison's hard it's like oh it's so sad and he lost his job but guess uh, it actually he has now become like a professional chauffeur in the LA area. And oh, he's wow. Like, I don't want that Uber driver pulling up to my house. He's he's driven Al Gore, he says. Wow. Including. So that's... You that's, are driving my car. <laughs> but but Stacey Kuhn is still with us, but... Uh, I think he kind of just got overshadowed by like, what, in two years or so, we'd have Mark Furman, who is the, the more yes. notable racist cop from the LA area. That's it's, weird that there you can distinctify him like that. It's <laughs> really the amazing thing in... Oh, the OJ documentary Made in America is seriously... Mm-hmm. 
One of my all-time favorite documentaries. I love it so much. It is eight hours, and it needs to Wait be. Wait a minute. I thought Mark Furman was playing a character. He wasn't really being racist. <laughs> well, to frame I all know. of that, mm-hmm. the first episode of it, the first over an hour of it, is just to tell you, like, here's how fucked up L.A. and the LAPD were. Right. And you need to know that to be like, this is on everyone's mind during the O.J. trial. And when they, the way they frame the Rodney King trial, just like, they, the, before they get to the Rodney King trial, they're like, Here's a decade, no, here's like 30 years of mistreatment of the black community by the LAPD. So just in case you heard like, oh, the Rodney King thing happened, they really overreacted. It was like, this was the 800th <laughs> yeah. injustice. And like, it happened to be filmed. Yes. Like, there's now evidence of this. And again, that these guys seemingly get away with it when they were filmed. <laughs> and you would think there's no, I. Uh, it's, it's one of the most striking openings to a movie ever in Malcolm X, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, he he chooses to start, and I you could say it dates it, but he starts that film with the Rodney King video footage, mm. just unedited, and then it well it has the American flag burns behind him, just like that lets you know it's a fucking movie you're in for. <laughs> yeah. at the start of that. Welcome but, to Malcolm X. Uh, get out now if you want to. And and so that that Birch uh, classifies Stacy as a as, as a as a political prisoner and, and hurt by the liberal justice system, <laughs> which like that's a phrase you don't hear anyone say. Even no. Republicans, activist would not judges, call it. you'd maybe hear that. Yeah. they're just like they said this trans person's human. These activist <laughs> judges. <sighs> Anyway, boy, I'm telling you, we warned you. We yeah, warned you. You're it's in for it now. Yes. The Simpsons will be right back. <laughs> boy, politics, am I right? I hope you guys are enjoying this episode of Sideshow Bob Roberts as much as we did. And if you'd love to hear this earlier and at free, oh man, oh man, do I have some good news for you. You can just go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and sign up now. That way you'll get every episode of Talking Simpsons one week early and ad-free. But that's not all that you get. You'll also get access to the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, as well as all of our exclusives, end-of-year wrap-ups of each season, where we go over a ton of exclusive information and tons of the news that happened during that season of the show. Not to mention that you'll get access to every single episode of Talking Critic, where we're going through all of Critic from the beginning to the very end, which, you know, is only 23 episodes, but we're having a ton of fun doing it right now. As well, on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, you'll find exclusive interviews with Reed Harrison and Paul Provenzano. Reed Harrison wrote the classic episode, The Simpsons Files, where they crossed over with Mulder and Scully from the X-Files. And Paul Provenzano was an executive producer on many classic Simpsons video games from the 90s, including Virtual Springfield and Bart vs. the Space Mutants. And we have even more cool stuff coming, including some exclusive videos like our watching of the unaired pilot for The Simpsons. There's a ton of awesome stuff there, all starting at just $5 a month, and you becoming a patron there. Also doing that lets Bob and me do this full-time for your enjoyment. So please consider going to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and signing up.
Also, fellow Freedom Likers, I want to let you know that Talking Simpsons has its own t-shirt. That's right. Talking Simpsons has now got its own first t-shirt designed in the style of the Ion Springfield logo that is near and dear to our hearts, made by wonderful artist Nina Matsumoto, friend of the show. How do you get this shirt? Well, you go to shirtsickle.com and look up the Talking Simpsons section uh, a store on there. Or you can go to tiny.cc slash talking shirt, and that will take you directly to the page to buy your own t-shirt. It's just $19.99 plus shipping and tax and blah, 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 blah. It also ships relatively internationally. So take a look if you're even outside the U.S. I think you can get this shirt. It is made by the same people who make the pro wrestling t-shirts that I really enjoy. And I already have my shirt and it came out really well. This is not some cheapo made to order t-shirt. These are quality products. Just $19.99 plus all that other dumb stuff I mentioned. But again, awesome new Talking Simpsons t-shirt in a beautiful sky blue. You can check it out on Shirtsickle or at tiny.cc slash talking shirt and order yours today. Hey, this is Jerry Cooney, professional boxer and official greeter of Mr. Burns Casino. Welcome to Mr. Burns Casino. If there's anything I can do to make your visit more enjoyable, please just let me know. Yeah, great. See ya. You're listening to the guys on Talking Simpsons. Hey, is that bug off? <laughs> And don't forget, if you also love these podcasts of us talking about The Simpsons, you might even just love some audiobooks as well. And you can go to audibletrial.com slash Talking Simpsons to sign up for a free trial of the service. You can get a th- free 30-day trial and a free audiobook of your choosing to check out and listen along to if you enjoy audio podcasts so much. One of my favorites, actually, is their revival of the classic Dr. Katz TV series, now just in audio form. Dr. Katz is interviewing stand-ups old and new and bringing back together his original cast of characters for a whole new adventure of Dr. Katz 20 years later. It's really a lot of fun and definitely worth signing up for Audible for. And if you sign up through audibletrial.com slash Talking Simpsons, you'll be able to sign up and check those out while also helping support the show. you like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. But, oh, uh, wait, how was, how was outside? It was, it was fun. Uh, so, yeah, my, my lady friend won, and I was with her, and she won, uh, like, a three-day pass. Mm-hmm. Like, seeing The Who, when am I ever going to get to do that again? No, it's... Really good. And, oh, and, and everybody's yeah. post from Outside Lands made it seem really cool. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, mm-hmm. everything is crazy expensive. Like, is eating it? or drinking anything there. The fucking frou-frou food truck. Yeah. That's the new festival shit. It's not yeah. funnel cakes and fries. We literally bought a melted can... Like, they, this is a thing... A melted candle? Melt, <laughs> me, yeah, we, we, we ate a melted candle. It was really weird. No, <laughs> happens all Melted of us. candy bars. This is a thing they do now. Like, they melt a, fuck like, that. a chocolate fuck? candy bar and then put shit in it. Like, oh, we'll, huh? we'll melt this candy bar down. We'll put, like, crunchies and toffee and whatever you want in it, and then you eat it with a spoon, and I'm like, this is, like, 
This is the worst case scenario of a candy bar. Yeah, this like, sounds like you didn't want to go shopping for yeah. actual ingredients. It, we went to, a but they, they, they use like a cool machine to do it, so it's kind of fun watching. Them, Get bonus time, Laser Times Weekly, full length, uncensored, and ad free Patreon exclusive podcasts, as well as full length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, the first season of Talking Simpson, and more at patreon.com slash laser time, starting at just five bucks. You'll help us live, and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again. Bob, they're pushing for Bob to get free. Birch is doing it. He even gets like, oh, there's a weird line where Bart reacts to, no! And then Edna brings up that these people in South Africa can have voted free. The end of apartheid, yeah. But yeah, the end of apartheid, which was very fresh then. Nelson Mandela, I believe, had been elected the year previous, 93, uh, after being freed. On the chalkboards, he's drawing <clears throat> Hawaii, right? Like, that's yeah. Hawaii. So. They clearly re-recorded a line, but I wonder what that line was. I wonder too. But... And also, we get a nice brief scene of at Moe's bar where uh, Barlow <laughs> is in, was encouraging them to break Bob out of prison, and Moe's passing out grenades. Like, who pulled the pin on this one? Yes. And we cut away. There's so there's political action. There, there's got to be an explosion after that. <laughs> yes, I. It is so fitting that Moe and the other drunks would be his most like violent listeners, Man. and and uh, you know now, they are anti-immigrant. Yes, yeah. Well, <laughs> now that joke's not a joke. Like <laughs> Alex Jones told people about PizzaGate, and a guy showed up with a gun to comment <laughs> oh, pizza. Yeah. Like these are real things that happen now. Like this this joke of like nobody would actually listen to a person on the radio and bring grenades somewhere. They did that. <laughs> yeah, they did do that. Then Quimby proves that he also can blow and freeze Bob. And that's when we find out his middle name, which is so such an Oakley and Weinstein middle name of Underdunk. Underdunk, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Underdunk's Williger, and he walks out with the Cape Fear-ish music yeah, playing behind right. him, too. Pretty much the same exit he has. And the prison is, like, Cape on Fear. an Alcatraz-style island. <laughs> Boats yeah. on the other yeah. side. I love that, I love that <laughs> Canadian delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Boats on the other side. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and and it was a nice callback. Bob shaking the fish out of his hair. He right. did that in Cape Fear as well. I was shocked there was no rake joke callback in this though. Yeah. Maybe they weren't. Uh, maybe Merkin wasn't as big a fan of that. He, he does do uh, at, at the end of the episode. He grumbles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, you get the classic yeah. Bob grumble. Rakes and Yellies both elicit that. Uh, Merkin yes. was less reaction. about uh, killing time, I think. <laughs> than yeah. Oh, this Gina episode Reese. has no time yeah, to no. kill. As we, I mean, the intro is so fast, and so. Bob is freed, and uh, that's what we get. I love Republican Man. headquarters so yes, much. It's a Dracula-style mansion. Hail, brothers. Quoronon Silaria Uzumahok. Now then, gentlemen, the mayoral campaign is upon us. And if we hope to defeat this Joe Quimby, we need a candidate with name recognition and media savvy. A true leader who will do exactly as he's told. <laughs> Marty, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> you'll just open that door, you'll see the next mayor of Springfield. Water cooler. What'd it say? No, <laughs> no, no. Bob. Bob, come in. A fine mahawk to you all. Well, he's even better. I agree. I like the human touch. 
So you realize they have someone in their midst that can be a politician too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Future president uh, Rainier Wolfcastle. Yes. So Burns is speaking an approximation of Enochian, in a language made in uh, sorry used in occult rituals. And uh, Oakley and Weinstein basically made it up, even mm. though it's a made up language itself. But it's a very O and W thing of like that they. They clearly mean that Mohawk means like night or day. So when he says a fine Mohawk to you all, (laughs) the reusing of those words make it shows more thought into Uh, that sentence than just any old gibberish. Right. And I want to go over the uh, the headquarters. Who's there? So uh, Rainier Wolfcastle, Birchibald T. Barlow, uh, Nosferatu, Mm, Mr. Burns, uh, the rich Texan, Dr. Hibbert and the blue haired lawyer. Mm. And it's setting up Smithers not being happy with this. He's he's begrudgingly serving them all. He's got some frowns. Yeah. That he's happy, he loves Mr. Burns and will do whatever Mr. Burns says, but that Mr. Burns is a bad, like, he's like, I don't like this, as we'll find out. It's a good setup there, but but it fulfills every type of Republican back then. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger was their biggest celebrity, still is, I'd say. Well, I guess unless you count that <laughs> uh, and Burns is the evil old businessman who controls everything. Yeah, and you... Bob comes wrapped in an American flag, just like the poster for Bob Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but sorry. Uh, then you got the rich Texan, who rich Texans also have huge power in it. Right. You've got blue-haired lawyer closest of all to Roy Cohn, the Republican asshole who, like, boy, I'm, that guy sucked. And then you've got Hibbert, who I feel... He fulfills the stereotype of the African-American Republican who is just like, well, I'm rich, so I'm a Republican, yeah. too. Yeah. He's, he's kind of Herman Cain before Herman Cain was a thing. Though. Five, five, five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that one, a 999, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Not five, 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 My read was, it, uh, was, yeah, because the most competent lawyer and doctor in Springfield, well, mm. the only... Uh, because their only comparison is very incompetent people that, that they make enough at their jobs that they are wealthy, you know... Republicans yeah. because of financial reasons. And they literally drink blood. <laughs> and that Burns saying, um, we'll do exactly as he's told. Like, that's also great, too. <laughs> like, that it implies, and this is for both parties, that the very rich people in charge, they don't actually want a leader. They want somebody who follows the party mm-hmm. line because no. a lot of people spend money on these things. And so they don't want somebody who, like, will say something they don't like or do things they don't like. And it is setting up the finale in which uh, they have their own ideas for Bob, but Bob feels like he's very autonomous in his mm-hmm. plan. So That's true. You yeah. know, there's almost no time to really go over that with his plan, but that is the secret thing, that Bob, Bob has his own plans and that the Republicans can't control <laughs> him. And that was that was their mistake for going with a celebrity mm-hmm. and, uh, and a guy who just got out a of jail. A guy that's on TV all the time, yes. making an ass out of himself. That will uh, never happen. Uh, okay, so then we cut straight to the first campaign event, which I love that Skinner says, like, this is a carefully mm-hmm. choreographed media mm-hmm. event. Like, he knows it's bullshit. Yeah, and as actually as a kid, I was at one of these. Uh, oh, really? So I, mean, I don't even want to know the amount of political strings that were pulled to have this happen, but in 1992, Barbara Bush visited my elementary school, St. Luke's Elementary School in Ohio, wow. to give a little speech. And all of us kids, uh, little shitheads that we were, and probably, uh, you know, we were... We had good judgment. We all like Clinton because it's like this cool guy. I don't yeah. want the old guy to win. I want the cool guy. Bush. Yeah. So they we had like an entire assembly like this is how you act around Barbara Bush. You do not Ooh. say this. You do not do this. But whenever the news cameras were interviewing us, we're like, we like Clinton. Clinton's awesome. I hate Bush. <laughs> and I think some of us got in trouble for that. So yeah, um, fuck that, yeah. Well, I'm not surprised you've you've talked about on other podcasts how your your hometown in Ohio was just it's Ohio's always been a battleground state. Yeah, so. especially Youngstown. It's just a, a place you'd go to make 
big promises you yeah. can't keep. So it is quite a platform for political theater and few results. But so you guys didn't get your Matlock Expressway. <laughs> no, we what? got the uh, the TJ Hooker Expressway. <laughs> when when I was a kid at that age. Florida wasn't the battleground it would become in my mind. The first election I voted in was 2000, and that's when Florida truly became, like, the crazy oh, states. Oh, God, yeah. Like, though Ohio will always matter because I believe it's been said, like, no Republican can win without Ohio. And so they if they lose Ohio, then they're not going to It win. only matters every four years. Then yes. who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, but then I think the animators, Kirkland and his team, really had a great time with Bob doing yes. his stunts. And it's very it was, Silverman-y. And I like that yeah. this is Bob going back to his roots of being like a circus performer type. Totally. It, it completely forget forgets his him. clowning yeah. background. It's something, too, that when you see Bob doing like physical feats of strength in other episodes, you're like... How can Bob do this? He's not kind of a guy. It's like, because yeah. he is a trained acrobat, pretty much. <laughs> I don't think we saw this side of Bob before no, this episode. Yeah. I mean, we could assume that he does have circus training because of who he is. Well, but, when yeah. he appeared in Krusty episodes pre-Krusty gets busted, he just got hurt. Yeah. Like, he, he got a pot, stunts. yeah. He just was there to be abused. Yeah, and then, as we would find out in the Side So Cecil episode, mm-hmm. that Bob didn't train to do this, but I guess he just did training yeah. la- later yeah. after being identified as Lord Autumnbottom <laughs> over there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, then... Quimby is losing out because Bob is so much cooler than him. And uh, Lisa has much better political mind than Quimby. I got to say, Quimby deserved to lose this election because he is not trying at no, all. I like his line, I'm being attacked by uh, things. <laughs> and then he just gives up and listens to Bart and Lisa. Like, Bart and Lisa seem to be the only people who work for his campaign. Yeah. Like, but, They're working way too hard. Uncle Mayor was just saying that us kids are the most important natural resource we have. More important than coal? Uh, uh, yes. That was a big mistake, Bart. No children have ever meddled with the Republican Party and lived to tell about it. Stay out of the river, Dale. <laughs> so much happening right now. So much. Well, let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Of that clip. First off, I love the way Kent arches one eyebrow, like, even more than Cole. <laughs> yeah. He's just incredulous at it. I do want to go over who Bob's two cronies are, yes, because they are do. from Watergate. So the guy with the crew cut is H.R. Haldeman, hmm. and the guy with the bald head is John Ehrlichman. They were both advisors to Nixon. They both served 18 months in jail for the Watergate scandal. And they look exactly like they look in the what? 70s. Yeah, it's it's perfect drawing there. Like, obviously, as a kid, I didn't recognize yeah. them. Like, uh, I mean, until recently... I don't think I, in, until preparing for this podcast, I don't think I really understood Watergate as much as I thought I did, but that I need to read the book Nixon Land. I've heard that's like the perfect book about just Nixon in general. But Yeah, the, I believe the book I read, uh, so after these commentaries came out, I really wanted to read about the source material. I believe the book is called Nixon Alone in the White House, and it's mm-hmm. just like, like an 800-page book about the Nixon presidency, but it goes way deep into Watergate. You learn about all the characters, uh, so it's really worth it. And then, yeah, Halderman and Ehrlichman were like classic hatchet men who were just like, they they're the unelectable turds who will do all the awful things yeah. that Nixon wants them to do, including like spying on the Democratic Party and try- doing their best to prevent a good Democratic candidate from coming up. And so they were bad men who deserve to go to jail. And th- but like 
All they did, like Bob said, 18 months. That's all they did. Yeah. And then they got to be famous for the rest of their lives. Like, they, they, I believe they're both dead now, I think. Uh, I think they are, but I mean... Uh, I believe Ehrlichman passed in the eight, in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, Ford pardoned Nixon, so Nixon got out of jail free. Oh, yeah, and yeah. like, do you like nachos? Do you <laughs> like not being in jail? That, uh, boy. Oh, God. Yeah, so, and then... I maybe didn't understand Watergate, but I knew the Archie gang. Yes. <laughs> and I loved seeing the Archie comic characters appear and that they are drawn flesh tone, not Simpson style. You're right. And very yeah. specifically in the style of the 70s Hanna-Barbera mm. Archie cartoon, which is what popularized the song Sugar Sugar. That's right. But so they dubbed Homer and it is Archie, Reggie Mantle, Jughead, and Moose. It is Moose who says the line, duh, stay out of Riverdale. <laughs> Moose is the lunkhead uh, of the team who, uh, in the comics, until recently, he always said, like, duh. written out D-U-H, yeah. and then he says, like, duh, what do you mean Midge is not one to go steady? <laughs> duh, what do you mean? That was a popular character until we all thought about what that really meant if yes. someone said, duh, before every sentence. Yeah, it, uh... It's not as funny now. It's no. uh, yeah, I mean the PC police like <laughs> Lenny stopping us from making fun of Moose. I mean as late I mean as early as the late nineties, I was like this this one guy in Ed Ed and Eddie. There's something wrong with him, and I feel bad for laughing at him. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Hey, and but I liked back in they they remark on it on the commentary. Back then, they would just draw in characters. Like, who cares? It's the Archie characters. Like, nobody's yeah. going to stop us. And now that I bet now they can't really do that, or they have to make a deal with somebody, or they have to change them 5%. But then again, Archie characters, like in the early 90s, were at their like, lowest popularity, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, those double digests were going pretty cheap. So, yeah, up still next. Two decades away from Riverdale, the TV drama. One of but, my <laughs> secret favorite uh, Simpsons songs is coming up next. It feels like an old style Jeff Martin ditty. I love it. Quimby, if you were running for mayor, he'd vote for you. Paid for by the mayor, Quimby for mayor, mayor Ulkerman. I mean, we're making fun of Republicans in this episode, but I, I feel like that's a very Democratic message, a very oh, Democrat yeah. Party message where it's just like, this is the best we could do, I guess. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. We did these nice things. Yeah. And it's not my fault that thing <laughs> happened. And and also that, that in, in Springfield, they apparently have public hangings still. Like, yeah. And, he's, and <laughs> he's the pride he has of like, see, a new sap. I don't think, th- I think they're part of old Springfield, you yes. know, just like yeah. a historical landmark. But I, I just like, it's like, it's not my fault this happened. You yeah, know, like, don't blame me. Sh- yeah. He shrugged like, that's, that He's shrugging that, on the debris of the collapsed yes, stadium, which you would not put in your political <laughs> ad. Just that he's, yeah, the, the passing of the buck thing. That is definitely a very like you can throw that at a lot of Democrats, mm-hmm. and, and it felt like a very seventies kind of ad too, or just like an old school fun yes. singing song one. That reminds me. What's of, the last song you remember that was in a political ad? Well, oh boy, I remember it because it was spotlit on the Colbert's mm-hmm. late night of him talking up how awesome it was of this uh this woman i forget which uh, state she was mm. running in but her main plank in the senate was that she wanted to bring in light rail to the to the state so the song goes Vote for Gail, Gail, Gail. She's for light rail, rail, rail. Vote for Gail for U.S. Senate. She's independent in the Senate. 
See, wow. that's catchy. It's catchy. Yeah. I like it. I, I miss the, the days of uh, political jingles. Yeah. I think that's why Colbert spotlighted because he's like, they don't make these. They don't make jingles like this anymore. Well, you don't have a clip of it, but up next, uh, Bart and Lisa are giving out Quimby bumper stickers. <laughs> yes. and I just love the Jimbo like, uh, I love Grimby. I love Grimby, yeah. <laughs> Lisa pronouncing him as the lesser of two evils is what it is to vote for a lot of Democratic candidates yeah. as well as for me, <laughs> like perhaps last uh, year. So they wrap Milhouse in bumper stickers. <laughs> I love his line, what's happening? <laughs> when he gets that, shoved down the hill in a shopping cart. <laughs> that is really great. And that it's fitting they're bullying Milhouse. So I feel like in other episodes it would have been Martin. Martin but, yeah. but the joke works better with covering yeah. his glasses. Milhouse is best stick. at taking pain, taking pain in the yeah. show. That's true. And I do love when Jimbo isn't quite sure of something. Yeah. Like, uh, lunch? Miss, Mrs. Uh, Bart? <laughs> I'm me? <laughs> he's, he's great at that. And, and yeah. his pronouncement of, Mommy's ready for its mystical journey. <laughs> I like that they have, yeah. they could have bullied Millhouse in many ways, but that they're getting creative. Very creative, yeah. Yes. They're using what they have in front of them. So, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, then Bob, boy, then we get some great O&W elderly oh, talking. Oh, yeah. That Quimby fella promised to build us a Matlock <laughs> Expressway. How are you going to top that, smart guy? Hmm. Well, how's this? I'll not only build the expressway, I will spend the remainder of this afternoon patiently listening to your interminable anecdotes. Hot jiggity jam! Me first! <laughs> As many people know, I own the first radio in Springfield. Weren't much on the air then. Just Edison reciting the alphabet over and over. A, he'd say. Then B... See what usually follow. <laughs> I have to say, oh, go ahead, Dave. And now that may be Grandpa's like most internal speech ever. Like yeah. it's just so hard to listen to. <laughs> I prefer the the story about the onion tied to his belt. But yeah. if you go to Frankiac, I noticed. Uh, in doing the research for this episode and other episodes, uh, if you type in "hot diggity," that is sort of Abe Simpson's secret catchphrase yeah. for two years. He, does, he says "hot diggity" a yeah. lot in these episodes. It's feature like a meal. It's true. He <laughs> says uh, "hot diggity." That's good enough for me. When she won't marry, when Bouvier won't marry Burns. I like that Bob identifies those as interminable stories yeah. and that they don't care. He's like, that is definitely a judgment on those stories being bad, but they don't care. They're like, someone will listen to us. I mean, in the last section of Springfield, uh, Abe says we tell stories that go nowhere to destroy our opponents or our enemies. But one thing I noticed about this uh, this scene, it's taking place in a Krusty Burger. You can barely tell, but I feel like it's a reference to Clinton talking to voters at McDonald's. And there's a great SNL sketch with Phil Hartman playing yeah. Clinton where he's eating all their food. That's one of the best... That's it's my great. The warlords take food. Take your food. He's just eating all the stuff. And that I did really like the line of, uh, "Sir, Mrs. Clinton wouldn't like us stopping McDonald's." Like, there's a lot of things we're not going to be telling Mrs. Clinton about here. All right. Which was true. Which was true. I'd they, say getting SNL clips is the hardest thing ever, so I didn't get that clip. Yeah, no it's way. It's so hard to do. All right. Speaking of uh, racial oh, things we no. have to get into here, like this Sideshow Bob ad is uh, very specific. Mayor Quimby supports revolving door prisons. Mayor Quimby even released Sideshow Bob, a man twice convicted of attempted murder. Can you trust a man like Mayor Quimby? Vote Sideshow Bob for mayor. Uh, 
So I do like that he identified himself as the as the bad criminal who got out. But yeah, 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 Bob. This is based on a really real thing, isn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, if you watch the ad and also the real life ad, they're very similar, black and white. And this is the uh, 1988 George Bush Senior revolving door uh, attack ad against Dukakis and his laissez-faire attitude towards criminals. Let's play the clip. As Governor Michael Dukakis vetoed mandatory sentences for drug dealers, he vetoed the death penalty. His revolving door prison policy gave weekend furloughs to first-degree murderers not eligible for parole. While out, many committed other crimes like kidnapping and rape, and many are still at large. Now Michael Dukakis says he wants to do for America what he's done for Massachusetts. America can't afford that risk. It is yes. a very persuasive, powerful ad. I will give him that. Like, there's a reason it's one of the most remembered ads in political history. But it's a very ugly, like, heavily race-baiting ad, too. Yeah. The, the name they don't say in there, but they know you're thinking, if you're watching this in 1990, uh, 1988, mm-hmm. is Willie Horton. Right. And uh, who was infamously somebody who was let out on one of those Dukakis approved furlough programs who was in jail, I believe for a double homicide. Yeah. During a robbery, during a robbery. And while out, he, he escaped and sexually assaulted a woman and was brought back to jail. And, that was George W. Bush and his campaign wanted nothing more than to make you think that Dukakis hung out with Willie Horton and wanted that to happen and made it happen. He wanted that all to lay at his feet. The entirety, there's another clip we're going to get to it a little bit later. But, oh, it's much, much more shocking. But it is shock. it's shocking in general to yeah. see just how much, like, Dukakis got beat up. Like, I saw a lot of the stuff Dukakis was doing. Like, yeah, you seem like I'd have voted for you, <laughs> definitely. But, like... The stuff they're able to brand him with, like, it's... This is that Karl Rove evil-ass shit of just saying, like, well, we need to say that they are weak on crime. And that, like, even being slightly nice to criminals, which, and by that I mean treating them as humans in jail, we have to say that they... that. That he may as well be a crime part partners in crime with all of them, and he took such a beating on that. And the revolving door prison is the biggest one, and I think it definitely led to. If you watch the uh, the documentary The Thirteenth mm. about the Thirteenth Amendment, there's a big part in there about like as much as uh, the Clintons may seem cool, they were big as tough on crime Democrats as a reaction to how much Dukakis got shit for yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, they were trying to be like, no, we're tough on crime. Although, <clears throat> I mean, their solutions are not really solutions. It's just like, we'll just put people in jail. And now yep. I think it's more like, we have uh, all these people that will work for free now. So yeah. that's another story altogether. Uh, but that wasn't happening but, at this time. And, but the Dukakis had like minor things like, that. Like in there they say like, no mandatory sentencing for drug users. was like, yes, that's yeah. good. <laughs> the one reason we have a ballooning prison population or just a gigantic one is because like oh that's pot well mandatorily yeah. you go to jail forever yeah non-violent offenders yeah. yeah all that bullshit like this these are good things to me but back in 88 they could easily go like do you see how much he loves criminals yeah like, it's yeah. a weird thing to tie them together yeah. like <laughs> i mean it's smart escaped murderer and drug dealers. yeah yeah well they're they're all the criminal cat class yeah. of evil people and 
Only George W. Bush can save us from that. And, and speaking of evil people, the people in the uh, parody of this coming oh, out yeah. of the prison are uh, David Silverman, Wes Archer, Rich Moore, and Richard Sakai in yeah. order. So yeah. you can see all of them coming out. What did Richard Sakai do to go to jail? I guess it was a know. crime of passion with his wife. Uh, <laughs> Richard, Richard Sakai is on the escalator while yeah. the, the other three come through the revolving door. door. Yeah, the escalator is the parody touch. The revolving door is part of the actual commercial yeah, itself. It really is. It's, yeah. Uh, Ugh, but yuck, yuck. So uh, then we get the return of Larry King, last heard uh, reading the Bible on Blowfish blah, 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 blah episode. And uh, that's when they get a nice little knock at Fox of just hmm. that since uh, Simpsons didn't have a laugh track, it was basically the only Fox show in 1994 that didn't have obnoxious hooting and hollering. I mean, I think they were just referencing Mary with Children in general. Yeah. Like whenever Kelly came in or Al Bundy came in, it was just like, mm-hmm. woo! Yeah, if Al would say like "you look like a little boy" to to Darcy, uh, Marcy like, Darcy, Marcy yeah. Darcy, they'd be like "woo," or you made uh, fun of that lesbian. She called he called her a chicken a lot, which yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. I really, I still don't understand that at all. I remember when it, I liked the times when Marcy would get. Marcy would usually get a one back at him. Yeah, she wouldn't just take the abuse. His favorite, my favorite one I remember was he said. Uh, oh, as you're saying, if I lean forward and put my arms together, it looks like I have boobs. And then she said, oh, Al, you don't need to do that to look like you have boobs. <laughs> like, hey, I, I think she usually got the upper hand, yeah. She, she usually did. But It's also kind of weird. Like, Fox in 1994 is still a growing network. That they would have, like... In the 1992 election, like, were they doing the same things that they CBS never and got ABC? into political stuff like yeah. that? They they rarely aired yeah. the political st- stuff. Yeah, they they left that too. I mean, the Fox Television Network never really they don't have their own news division. Yeah. They, they leave that to their cable channel. Which, uh, oh. yeah, your Simpsons money kind of sort of helps pay for Sean Hannity. Uh, I don't want to think about that. Well, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog says no- there's no ethical consumption. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's so true. Uh, so then we get into the debate. Quimby is looking terrible in a reference to the Nixon-Kennedy debate, which we saw last in Duffless. Right. That man's never had a duff in his life. So September 16th, 1960, a debate between Nixon and Kennedy that would sort of set the template for all politics to follow, in which it's just like, oh, how you look matters now. And Nixon just got out of the hospital after a knee injury. He was looking sick, and he lost a lot of weight in an ill-fitting suit, and Kennedy was just like this beaming picture of health. Yeah, well, Nixon never would have won a beauty contest against Kennedy on his best day, but... But then, yeah, he just looked bad, and so he he. Uh, but that's funny though that in this, the Kennedy yeah, equivalent yeah. Quimby is the one in the Nixon position. You're right, yeah, and that yeah, Bob is having his hair blow dyed and quaffed. While meanwhile, <laughs> Quimby is on extra drowsy formula Quickie Mart cold medicine yeah, because of all the old people he shook hands with. Yeah, <laughs> that's another redone mouth movement. I wonder yeah. what his thing was, but uh, I like the joke though. Hands with those old people. Like, and his, just Quimby's general moaning yeah. is great. And I, I couldn't choose any one line for this. So we're just going to have to listen to the oh, whole yeah. debate. Cause it rules. Sideshow so, Bob. Councilman Les Wyman yeah. says that you're not experienced enough to be mayor. Sir, what do you have to say about that? I'd say that Les Wyman Ought to do more thinking and less whining. (laughs) (laughs) There's no counseling less whining. (laughs) Good line, though. Mayor Quimby, you were well-known, sir, for your lenient stance on crime. But suppose for a second that your house was ransacked by thugs, your family tied up in the basement with socks in their mouths, you try to open the door, but there's too much blood on the knob. (laughs) What is your question? My question's about the budget, sir. Oh. 
Okay, so we're going to get uh, into this right uh, now. First, that let's whine and one. Let's. I want to. Oh, let's whine and yeah. The let's whine and is a great line. I I know I've goofed around with friends about that <laughs> of just like setting up a perfect bad name that isn't real to just set up a a, a great rejoinder that's prepared, and you definitely. Get the feel. Birch and Bob knew they were going to do those lines and. You mean a shared and, a debate question? Yes. Well, that's also implied that uh, that was actually revealed. It that happened mm. well on the Democratic <laughs> side of things, but that there there's always favorable mm. people on those debates mm-hmm. in, in every debate. You'll see them like mm. Brit Hume, though. Actually, Brit Hume, like famously. He tore apart Dan Quayle because he wasn't a good enough Republican, even though Brit Hume is a big time Republican. But I also like a joke that's good enough that Bart forgets that this guy tried to. Yeah, him. yeah. Like, he appreciates the joke there. part of it. Uh, but okay, yes, the Birch's second question. So this is a direct uh, reference to a joke Dukakis was asked during a 1988 debate with a similar agenda towards it, and it is shocking to hear this hmm. even now, Governor. If Kitty Dukakis were raped and murdered, would you favor an irrevocable death penalty for the killer? No, I don't, Bernard, and I think you know that I've opposed the death penalty during all of my life. I don't see any evidence that it's a deterrent, and I think there are better and more effective ways to deal with violent crime. We've done so in my own state, and it's one of the reasons why we have... uh, had the biggest drop in crime of any industrial state in America, while we have the lowest murder rate of any industrial state in America. Yeah, hmm. so basically, like, what if your wife was raped and murdered? What would you do? Uh, that, that is unbelievable. Yeah. That was someone from CNN, yeah. Bernard yeah. Shaw, asking <clears throat> that, which, like, could you imagine at any presidential that was a presidential debate, yeah. the yeah. highest debate there is, at any presidential debate where they say, like, well, Mr. Trump, what if your wife was raped what and if, murdered? Saying what, her name, even. What yes. if Melania was raped and murdered? Yes. What? What? What if Tipper Gore was raped? Like that? That was beyond the pale. Like that was an, yeah. Like and it's and that's such like that is like a bar argument you'd have with a friend over the death penalty, where you'd say, "Well, I'm against the death penalty." Like, well, what if Hitler was there? Would you? Would yeah. Would you have the <laughs> death penalty against Hitler? It's a stupid question because uh, removing the emotional aspect of that question, how loaded it is, like. Uh, Michael Dukakis would not be on the jury or he would not be the judge. It's supposed to be an impartial jury with an yes. impartial judge. If someone did rape and murder his wife, that never happened, thank God, um, they would judge him according to the laws of whatever state yeah. he was in. That's how the justice system works. You yeah. don't have that power mm-hmm. if you are the victim. Well, and I mean, that's one of the... Or like, associated with the victim, sorry. Well, that's one of like the top... Uh, that is one of the top defenses of the death penalty, too, that it's just your personal investment like okay you'd say that about other people but what if you were the victim right, you right. want the death penalty then and it's like, like oh like, shit checkmate dude i'm it's, sorry it's just that appeal to emotions type thing and it's right. it's one of my favorite bits in michael moore's uh where to invade next where he's interviewing a man who's uh, in i believe it was sweden whose son was one of many people killed in like a horrifying massacre and that guy can't be given the death penalty because there is no death yeah. penalty in that country. And Michael Moore asked him, like, would you want there to be a death penalty? He's like, no, I yeah. don't. He, he, and it's like, yeah, the guy will never leave prison. That's no treat. And, and, <laughs> and dying is not bringing Mrs. Dukakis back. And I'm totally with the Dukakis on that, too, of just like 
it isn't a deterrent. Yeah. Like the death, if anything, knowing you'd be facing the death penalty means you'd kill a witness yeah. you wouldn't otherwise kill. Perhaps so, like there's no way you answer that question on television and sound good doing like it, yeah. no right. it's such an unfair yeah. question. I mean, looking at this now, he did a great job. He was not. I mean, I'm sure he was like, "What the fuck?" But well, yeah. yeah. And, and I did watch an interview with him like somewhat recently. It would do caucus of saying, "I thought that was a fair question. I've answered questions like that in my own mm. life. I didn't bother me." And he and he <laughs> stood his ground on that. He yeah. was very clear, yeah. like. No, I've been an opponent of the death penalty my entire life. And again, that two people in 88, that made him look weak. Everybody mm-hmm. else thinks, I'd fucking kill anyone who touched my wife. Like, yeah. how dare he? It was all about, like, the, trying to be the most masculine president you can yeah, be. Yeah, when H.W. Bush is like a dweeb. Yeah. He's a loser. He's a guy who told CIA agents to kill for him. He can kill nobody. He crashed a pl- <laughs> <laughs> He barked uh, up some broccoli in Japan. So... When I do love when Quimby pushes back his hair and it's mm. the devil horns, devil horns and it's all yeah. gre- greasy and that Channel Six literally mm. adds a ring of fire, around digital him. flames around. I didn't him. know that Channel Six had a political bend. They did. Yeah, yeah, they, they clearly just... do. I mean, Ken Brockman is so. Well, wait, yeah, 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 wait, it's true. airing on Fox, but it's Channel, Channel Six. Channel Six could be the Fox affiliate. Mm. It could be a Fox affiliate. Wow, you're right. I guess we uncracked we cracked that code. Mm. I was just so used to it being five. So. Well, yeah. now I'm gonna now I'm gonna watch for later if. Kent Brockman says the disparaging thing about Fox or acts like Fox is a different channel. Yeah. I will note that for fe- for future Simpsons continuity. Look out, everybody! Uh, but uh, so yeah, the the debate is amazing. It it still rings. So much of this episode is like, oh, this is today. This is still <laughs> this is still today. If anything, there's some jokes like this doesn't go far enough to for the satire we live in now, and that does include examples of voters voting against their <laughs> best interests. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. I don't agree with his Bart-killing policy, but I do approve of his Selma-killing policy. Well, he framed me for armed robbery, but man, I'm making for that upper-class tax cut. So they, people are voting for the guy who is against them, like yeah. literally, yeah. personally against yes. them. And much like uh, the Simpsons would say again in uh, two years' time on the Halloween episode, no one can vote third party. No, <laughs> no. Throw your vote <laughs> away. But, so the episode starts with Homer like listening to Birch Barlow, and I like I've seen this a few times. And I forget that he's not political in this episode. I thought that the whole ep- like mm. part of the episode was Homer becoming a Republican or something. I but mean, he listening really. to Birch at least says that Homer is more conservative. He identifies yeah. with Birch Barlow. Yeah, and that so he's that, and probably Birch is who talked him into voting. Mm-hmm. Though Homer being a Birch fan, pretty much is done after like thirty seconds. Yeah, like yeah Birch Barlow has gone from the universe after this episode. He never comes back. Yeah, I kind of wish they brought him back because mm-hmm. it's Harry too. It's just like yeah. it works. Yeah. Birch could be there anytime and. Okay, so then we get the results, which, honestly, Bob really poorly fixed this election because were it in any city but Springfield, a result of 100% (laughs) of the vote would be questioned by every person. 100 to 1%. And there is a 1% margin of error. Even in a a two-party system like America has... Even in fucking Mississippi, mm-hmm. the split would be 70-30 Republican-Democrat right. on pretty much anything. You would have to, like, still be running but have be under investigation mm-hmm. for murder to get, a, like, even a 4% yeah. as a major party candidate. He got greedy. Yeah, he got, yeah. He got legitimate votes, and it just seemed like, like just in this episode that he's, like, out outclassing I Quimby. I think he so, would have won yeah. if he hadn't cheated. He would have won anyways, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and but then again, that's uh, what happened with Watergate, too. The, mm-hmm. like, Nixon probably would have won also but he he couldn't control himself yeah. he had all that power yeah. man then it's one of my i 
I have all this clip because it's great acting by Kelsey Grammer, but also Mark Kirkland and his team. Mm. The acting on this, the drawing, is so great. All right, let's go live to Bob headquarters now for Mayor Terwilliger's victory speech. And just look how happy he is. <laughs> Great evil laughter. Citizen Kane, yeah. though, right? Yeah, that's uh, the same Citizen Kane free- framing, yes. Yeah. Uh, with, with the, the giant face behind him. Yeah. A black and white face of him, specifically. Yeah. Yeah, which they've done, like, three times <laughs> already on the, sh- on the show at this point. Yeah. I do want to give credit, too, to Kelsey Grammer that he... He is a conservative guy. Like, he is a Republican. Like, I think partially they originally had, in his second appearance, Bob identify as a Republican yeah. because that's how Kelsey votes, too. But that he's he's all in on this. Like, he clearly didn't... If he if he objected to the content of it, he didn't... He still did it. Like, so, he's having fun with it. And on yeah. the commentary, David Merkin says, Kelsey Grammer hates doing the evil laugh, but David Merkin <laughs> makes him do it every time. Even though Kelsey's like, don't you have this on tape already? Damn. He's like, no, we need a specific evil laugh. But that... That evil laughter now just feels fills me with dread because I did think of this scene when when Trump was doing his congratulatory speech to himself of like, yeah, I want to just like, oh, the guy who didn't think he'd win only has evil intent now has one and he like should be cackling in joy, which is is what Bob does. And oh. so it is weird thinking about, yeah, Kelsey Grammer doing this episode in that like the crime part of it is like it's only the very end and it seems like they could have changed it if Kelsey didn't want to do this episode yeah you mean like they could have done it with somebody else yeah it could, didn't have to be yeah. Bob as, as yeah. the mayor and but it is a mystery in a way and then that, they're all mysteries aside show Bob episodes it's, it's more of a third act yeah. mystery there's not even set up in act two that yeah. it would be a mystery yeah. just in act act three mystery yeah. but you then don't even get to come up it's against the Simpsons until this act yeah and, well Bob goes straight to it with his plan <laughs> to ruin the Simpsons life giving his power like immediately his first act like they build that expressway overnight <laughs> yeah. outside their house and Bob was also the uh, foreman at the uh, construction yeah. site with very Holdman hands-on. and Ehrlichman too yeah, he's very hands on as mayor yeah. and this was the first time I noticed the sign for the Matlock expressway had a silhouette yeah. of Matlock's aged head oh you're right <laughs> yeah. and that Abe is so into it he's ready to be the first person yeah. to drive it right now <laughs> and that Homer I like Mister, I like Homer calling him Twigager Twigager yeah he mispronounces it and that they have Randall. 70 I forgot the ticking clock on this too they have 72 hours oh That's, you're right yeah they don't enforce it enough like, not really yeah and they never mentioned the ticking clock after that yeah but then his uh, his punishment for bart is uh, even cleverer bart by special request to the mayor's office you are going to be left back no you mean i have to repeat the fourth grade well yes but not for four or five years bart you're going to kindergarten kindergarten ha <laughs> <laughs> Now, boys and girls, who knows what this is? Triangle. Very good, Bart. You have first choice of toys for free play. Cool. I call the Flintstone phone. Yabba jabba doo. I like talking to you. <laughs> the goofy Bart laugh he heard in Bart of Darkness I, in reading yeah. Mad Magazine. His entertainment <laughs> And that is the real voice of Fred Flintstone. Oh, yeah. Then. That wow. was Henry Corden. Henry Death Jingle Time. Yes. Uh, that's yes. right. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is. Death. 
So Henry Corden was the second voice of Fred Flintstone, uh, replacing uh-huh. Alan Reed, who died in 1977. And Henry Corden died in 2005. He was born in 1920. That's a pretty long life. Quite a long life for yeah. that character actor who then became... He was the Fred of my childhood. Like Same here, yeah. I, obviously, I watched the yeah. Flintstones reruns, too. But I watched the newer Flintstone yeah. stuff where you'd hear you'd hear Henry's voice in it. And... I like dying for you. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the funny thing is, Alan Reed, though, played a heavy in a lot of old noir movies. So mm. you can see some movies where uh, someone's being menaced by a guy with, fr- with Fred Flintstone's voice, <laughs> including The Postman Always Rings Twice. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I got to rewatch that and then hear the hear the uh, the Fred voice. And yeah, his last time as Fred was actually in the Flintstone, a Flintstones video game in 2000. Wow. And uh, it's been a different guy ever since. But that Flintstone phone is beautiful. Yes. Like, just I love the drawing of each Flintstone character on mm. the dial. So when yeah. you press one, you'd hear from him. It's also led to one of my... <laughs> Funniest <laughs> moments in my podcasting history where uh, you can listen to the episode of v- VG Empire, Brett Elston's video game music podcast. We do a Silent Hill episode, and we're talking about Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which is my favorite. Well, okay, two's better. But my favorite Silent Hill game. One of the coolest things it does, if the <laughs> Wii version of the game, is the Wii remote had a speaker on it. And you would sometimes have phone calls <laughs> that would come through the speaker. Yeah. So I was trying to sell them. I'm like, it was such a cool feature. Nobody <laughs> does it. And then Brett just kills me with like, yeah, but yeah, but do. I like talking to you. I was like, well, great. You've, you've yeah. undercut every cool thing I said about this feature. Yeah. Well, you know, the PS4 controller has that feature, but no one used it after the first yeah, year. It's like, true. fuck this speaker, yeah. fuck this light, who cares? But, Get rid uh, of it. I mean, the Wii Remote just looks more like a phone. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's more phone like. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, this is a weirdly, like, prescient joke that when I was in kindergarten, I remember, like, oh, yeah, there's some toys that, like, like the newer toys, the cooler, toy more, first, yeah, the cooler, yeah. more tech-oriented toys. I want one of those. Yeah, speaking I, spell. Like I don't want a fucking ball or the thing with the little balls in it, the, like the push thing. I don't mm. know what the hell they call it. Yeah, but you it's the popcorn popper. Yeah, yeah, you can appreciate it on my level, children, yeah. as Frank would say. But also, Brett Elston, I think of this joke because within our friends group, it's a kind of an inside joke where this happened at Games Radar when we worked together many times that if somebody asks a question with an obvious answer of saying like, <laughs> uh, what's that one Mario game on the NES? And you just said like, yeah, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> say that's a reply. If you are were quick or excited to say, uh, Super Mario Brothers, then Brett would go, triangle! Triangle! <laughs> just, it's his, his yeah. note of like, you're so quick to say the obvious answer, yeah. like when everybody knows it. It's so I, whenever I hear that triangle, I, <laughs> I think of old Brett Elston. So and, the uh, the back to back all the president's men references yes. are happening up next, where Lisa asks for the results of the secret ballot, and the the librarian says, "Meh." Is it the first actual meh? You know, like I think it the might first, be like I articulated meh. I think it might be. Yeah, that's true. I I didn't think of that. Yeah, he, and he hands over the voting record. He's saying meh to a massive invasion of privacy. Yeah, I mean, we're the MTV generation. Bit could be read as eh. Yeah. I don't think it's as eh. meh as yeah. this guy. This was clearly meh, and I think it's not until season ten or nine that Lisa spells M E H. M E H. That's uh, that was in the. Ugh, they go out and garden. Oh, yes, yeah, the carnival episode. With, right, uh, right. The, Bart yeah. Carney. Bart Carney, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I also do like that they identify Quimby is also a felon, which I wonder yeah. what his felony was for. But I rewatched All the President's Men, uh, actually, in, in preparation for this episode. And it is 
it's a good if you want a nice little uh, a good film that is an introduction to what Watergate was. It is about it based on the book by the same two men, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, the Washington Post writers who did the majority of the breaking of the news and reporting on Watergate, thanks to a number of anonymous sources and all their very various digging into Creep, which was the committee to reelect right. the president. Yeah, and it's it's a great film about journalism like as that somebody was fake news henry <laughs> as, as somebody who is tangentially related to journalism i really liked it i'm just saying like oh this is reporting this but it also was it is such a bygone era watching it and i, I don't just mean that they had to call people and they had no internet to search for things and they had to go to their bank of phone books to go through the phone books for every major city to look for somebody i don't just mean that it's that they have a copy editor. They have time to. They're like, we're going to put these two reporters on the story for a while. They don't. They, even, they weren't having to write ten top ten lists in a week to <laughs> yes. uh, pad out the paper. Woodward and Bernstein were given time there, yeah. and people respected them as mm-hmm. newsmen. Like, definitely, they get their doors slammed in their face by Republican. Uh, operatives are just like, I'm not going to help you hurt the president. But other people actually say things like, I'm a Republican, but this is bigger than that, or what he's doing is so yeah. wrong. I mean, the entire Republican Party after Nixon was a reaction to this, of just like, that I think the Republicans saw the fall of Nixon and the exposure of Watergate wasn't Nixon's fault. It was disloyal people right. who turned on Nixon instead of keeping it a secret. But, uh, as it's shown in all the presidents, man, quick version is that uh, five dudes break into the, the Democratic headquarters in the Watergate Hotel in Washington, D.C. They are caught and arrested. It is revealed that they were getting money given to them through Republican operatives who were trying to help Nixon win presidency. And it would slowly reveal that Nixon with her, with Halderman, Ehrlichman, dozens of other guys were helping him not just spy on the Democratic Party, but uh, prevent them from having uh, like sabotaging their their people until they ended up with McGovern, who was yeah. not the good wow. best choice for it. I mean, I forget his name. And I'm sorry that I did forget his name. But uh, one of his political enemies, he broke into his psychiatrist's office and found all of his files, so he had yeah. to have dirt on him. Well, and also like Nixon was at one point endangered of being primaried as the president too, which was he needed to that to not happen, so he used the obscene power the president had then which is like nothing compared to now yes <laughs> and and simpler times and that's also what watching the movie made me think too of just like oh well they got caught because they had to physically break into a place they didn't have to like cyber attack someplace and get a bunch of emails yeah, i mean ultimately nixon as bad as what he did was is a hill of beans compared to both uh george w bush and trump and even things obama did yeah. i mean like yeah, yeah. it just sort of set the standard like oh you can't get in trouble for doing this you're the president so mm. just do whatever you want you you ultimately can't be like people who even say it's something too when let's uh, i i honestly can't <laughs> date this because i don't know what scandal will happen next with the trump presidency <laughs> there's one every day yeah. But when one happens, Advisors get fired within a week. People get so excited of like, we finally caught Donald Jr. Man, we're going to get him. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, like, outside of murder, sometimes no one rich ever goes to jail for white collar crimes. Well, Nixon's thing was just so it was so bad, and that they it, but it was just a slowly unfolding thing that really took like three years before he was finally in the corner of you will likely be impeached and removed from office and. Your legacy now is you are either going to be the first president impeached and removed from office, or you will be the first president who resigns and leaves office electively. 
which is what Nixon in the end did. And so what the this so what <laughs> the Simpsons does in relation to all the presidents, man, first off, Lisa going through every name. In the movie, it is the exact same shot of the continuing up, up, and up. And it is and when <laughs> it's when Woodward and Bernstein get the records of every book that the White House checked out from the library to find out if one insubstantial thing was a lie. And so it's just, it's it's many scenes like that that show, like, if you just read the news stories, you don't know how hard these guys yeah. worked. Yeah, and they were both, like, 25 at yeah. the time, which is astounding. Yes, like, yeah. wow. I mean, All the President's Men is already a great movie, but that also helps to watch that before watching Dick, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Where oh. Will Ferrell and Bruce McCullough play Woodward and Burns. <laughs> Steve. Oh man, yeah, oh, it's I a great movie. That. Yeah, uh, and Arthur B. Ablebab is quite a uh, <laughs> Oakley and Weinstein yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. But Jinx. Ah, I can't talk anymore. Sorry, yeah, guys. No, but the uh, and then the next section right after that, where even Lisa and Bard have to identify that they're like in all the presidents' men, is the meeting with Deep Throat, which uh, I'll explain Deep Throat after this clip. This is so cool, Bard. We're just like Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah, except their dad wasn't waiting in the car reading Archie comics. Stuck up Ripperdale punks think they're too good for me. You're on the right track. Follow the names. How the hell do you know? I can't tell you who I am, but I worked on the campaign. <laughs> hey, Mr. Smithers! <laughs> well, you might as well give me a ride <laughs> home now. Never gone behind Mr. Burns' back before, but Sideshow Bob's ultra-conservative views conflict with my choice of lifestyle. <clears throat> All I can do is give you one name, Edgar Neubauer. Find him, and you'll find your answer. So, uh, first off, that parking structure is is just like the parking structure where Woodward meets with Deep Throat. Yeah, I mean, Smithers' source. silhouette gives him away, though, for yes. sure. Well, and that's how he's filmed in the movie, too. Deep Throat in the movie is a character, but they don't identify because he was anonymous mm. when they made the film, too. They still... Uh, Woodward very well, very much was protective of his of his source, who they nicknamed Deep Throat. Yes, after the porno, uh, the famous porno in which the plot is uh, the the lead character. Uh, has a medical anomaly in that her clitoris is in the back of her throat. She needs to find the right man to stimulate it. <laughs> to go yes, it really in, happened, folks. To go deep into that throat. I mean, p- porn had plots back in the yeah, day. That's, I, mean... I miss those days. Uh, but so the in the film and in real life that the deep throat gave gave him guidance because he was somebody high up in the government who knew more than the public was getting to know about it. So he could so he could tell Woodward. Go here, follow the money, look into this name. And he also has the great line that I've heard quote many times now, like these, the the truth is they're not very smart. And they got (laughs) it over their head. And just like that's that explains, I feel like we'll be hearing that a lot these days. But, uh, but since this episode aired in 2005, in our lifetime, deep throat was revealed as FBI lifer Mark Felt. That's right. And on the commentary, they talk about it because it just happened it as just of the recording. Happened. And Matt like, what do you guys think about this? And it was great to hear that like at the time of reaction to that news. And yeah, he was an FBI high-level guy who knew all this mm. stuff that 
knew it was wrong and knew that people needed to know about it. So he and that Mark felt his in his uh, later years, he has passed away since then. His family convinced him, like, the world should know in your own words, like, admit it and let yeah. let people know. And I think mostly people were pretty mm-hmm. nice about it. And it's like, yes, everybody from Watergate is fine. Like, yeah. they, they did a couple years at best in jail and then got to be Republican celebrities <laughs> for the rest of their lives. Like, fucking G. Gordon Liddy's so yeah. around. Oh, that's the guy I was thinking about. He was one of the guys that broke into the He's uh, one, Watergate yes. place. Yeah. It was him and four Cuban Americans. Wait, aren't. Right. FBI director is supposed to be faithful to the president? Isn't that their <laughs> top that's job? True, yeah. I hate leakers. <laughs> yeah. well, well, Felt was not director. He was a high-level oh, FBI guy. Right. He was not the director of the FBI. And partially they say that he did it. Some people think he did it as a response to being passed over mm. for promotions. Uh, but uh, so it wasn't all moral. And one thing people noticed that later before it wasn't Woodward's idea to name him deep throat. It was an editor of his, above mm-hmm. him at, at uh, the Washington post <laughs> in his first time. He used the code. My friend M F Mark felt. And apparently before Mark felt was open about it, that it was a, most people at the high level of government kind of knew it was him. They eventually deduced, like, we know all the people who would know the information that this guy shared, and it could only be one of a few people. And so that that included Mark Felt. So yeah, but uh, but it's a yeah, mini th- history lesson on Watergate. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, read that book I mentioned. I think it's uh, it's called Richard Nixon Alone in the White House. I, it was written before the Deep Throat uh, unveiling, so oh, yes, yeah. you won't know the guy's name. One thing I want to point out, though, I feel like this is a move in the right direction for The Simpsons, in which Smithers' uh, gayness is yes! not, not to be made the subject <laughs> of fun. Yes, we're supposed to sympathize with him in that he could be he could suffer for his uh, sexual identity. O and W were some of the best at the time to Smithers that it wasn't just no offense to Gina Reese and their style of working with Smithers and and gay characters in general but especially Smithers like the joke is Smithers is gay haha and I mean he has a little dog named Hercules he loves his mother he loves singing show tunes etc etc yeah but this made this made his his choice of lifestyle a a moral imperative for him and it's why he did it and it was also it was a theory back in the day of that some Nick's Watergate fans that Deep Throat did it because they didn't want to be outed or that it was it was something that Woodward used against his source, which was not true. Right. But so I wonder if that's kind of tied up into having it be a closeted guy. But but this is like I am gay listeners, in case you didn't know. Uh, it was actually a shock to one of our uh-huh. friends, when, which I thought I thought, I thought but you're gay. You sh- don't you know I'm gay? Don't you guys <laughs> see the same like uh, predator vision? We should be in the same clubs. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and by clubs I mean yeah. like the secret clubs. Yeah. Uh, but okay, my mom had to explain that joke to me. I didn't know what choice of lifestyle meant mm. in, when I was twelve. I didn't know my <laughs> sexuality really then. I, I had ideas, but it's something that like struck me and still strikes me now. Just like. It is something I hate. Any queer person who is friendly to the GOP, it angers me like few other things do. And there's tons of injustice in the world is not the ultimate injustice. But it makes me so mad because in most cases it is white guys who are just like, well... I'm accepted enough by the Republicans that I'll just turn my back on everybody and I'll be a fucking traitor who will say, well, hey, I'm gay. I'm totally cool using the word faggot. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck you. Fuck. I, it makes me so mad. And they're rich <laughs> enough to escape any of the persecution exactly. or uh, suffering that anyone else in their and, shoes would and face. And they'll throw people under the yeah. bus for, for that acceptance. It's like, 
look, it's cool if you're gay and have conservative mm-hmm. views. That's one thing. It's like that's fine. That's your personal thing. But to support the Republican Party, mm-hmm. who is out to kill you, <laughs> they fucking hate you and yeah. can't stand you, and they you would lick their fucking boots. Yeah. I cannot stand that. I mean, that is a plot point in this episode. It's not just us saying. Yes, this. <laughs> I, this is called on by the real plot point of the episode. Yeah. It's it's something that makes me so angry. And I, this was the first time I recognized that. Like. Oh, yeah, if you're gay, why would you help a Republican? Mm. Like, your ultra-conservative views do conflict with your choice of lifestyle. This, this does Which, confirm... that framing, that's how the Republicans would frame it. Like, yeah, oh, a you choice choose of to be a disgusting yeah. person. Uh, and I think Smithers was being a bit ironic with his choice of words. He was yes. using their language. But yeah. I, I also feel like... But this... also, he didn't want to say, I'm gay. Yeah. Like, he was still uncomfortable He's feeling it. a bit of shame about it. But yeah. I feel like this this confirms for the first time, Smithers is not just a Burns asexual. He is a gay man. Yes. Yeah. It's not just he's into Mr. Burns. He is just a gay man in Springfield. Who and this lives the... his life and this would interfere yeah. with that life he lives. And... The that I also do love Homer's friendliness to Smithers. It, it <laughs> yeah. kind of reminds me of Homer the Smithers. Hey, Mr. Smithers. Hey, Mr. Smithers. <laughs> like that he's, I feel like a season two Homer would have been like, oh, Mr. Smithers. He's like, Smithers fucks him over in his job. Yeah. In, in Samson and Simpson and Delilah. Mm. But now he's just like, Hey, Mr. Smithers! Like, I think he's just bored with their stakeout and be like, "Oh, that's yeah. someone I know I could talk to." <laughs> that that flash of light on Smithers too is yeah. so great. I guess uh, you better take me home. So, who is this Edgar Newbauer? That's that's when they're really digging into the names. They they're going through the phone books. Also, more of a subtle reference to all the president's men. That's when Woodward is going through all these phone books looking for Kenneth Dahlberg. That's who he's looking for at that time. Who mm. was a, a person who's gift to the Republicans somehow ended up in the bank account of the guys who broke into Watergate. That shouldn't be. I'd look for Aronson and Zakowski first. <laughs> I like a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's yeah. like not even Mo uh, prank level joke of a name. Just yeah. it's something Bart finds stupidly funny. Yeah, yeah. a gorilla. And uh, we get a nice little callback to the bar- bats in the uh, in the <laughs> library. Lisa's is giving up and then. It's Bart who gets the touch of dumb You're luck. Right, yeah. yeah, which it shows that at least Bart. <laughs> Unlike in other times where Lee, Bart lets Lisa do all the work, Bart hi, does do something here. I found Edgar Neubauer! Oh my god. The dead have risen and they're voting Republican. <laughs> no, Bart, don't you see? Dead people can't vote. Look, Pruden's good wife died 1641. She voted for Bob, too. So did Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper. Even the pet cemetery voted for Bob. <gasps> Look, Mr. and Mrs. Bananas, Humphrey Beauregard. <laughs> oh, my poor dead kitty. Please, not you too. <laughs> All right, Bob. Now it's personal. Hey, um, he did try to kill me. I do like Humphrey Beauregard. It's, Humphrey very, Bo- it's yeah. a very bad pun name. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Bananas buried next to each other. And it's another of those Snowball One jokes like, no, they didn't call, they wouldn't bury Snowball as Snowball One. Man. They were just Snowball. That yeah, <clears throat> that, is, that is strange. I, I just realized that. But I guess the pet cemetery is next to the actual cemetery yes, because we yeah. find out that Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper are all buried yeah. in Springfield. They all died in the same plane crash. It's the uh, the famous day the music <laughs> yes. died. And for this, I pulled out one of my favorite Kids in the Hall sketches <laughs> that we have here. Uh, uh, warning, there is a racial slur in this <laughs> sketch, but it is basically the point of the sketch is like, oh, these legendary men. What if they were all awful assholes who deserve to die? <laughs> At least Buddy Holly. And this is uh, Kevin McDonald, who we saw in a pizza place uh, four Bob or five months Ivy, ago, yes. uh, playing uh, Buddy Holly, getting on a plane. Hey, Smithers, let's get fucking 
afraid, buddy. I don't like to fly. Shut up, Vamos, you fucking Lebaba speak. You're gonna fly and you're gonna like it. Hey, where's Big Bopper? <laughs> Tell him to get his fat ass off the can. I can't wait all day. I wrote Peggy Sue. <laughs> get in there and lose some weight. Hey, wait a second. Everything I touch turns to gold. Hey. I got an idea. Okay. He gets a monkey to fly the plane. So, <laughs> in his suitcase. Yeah, I mean, this this sketch was like from 1991. The joke is like, like we we have this sacred figure in our lives, Buddy Holly. What if he sucked and was a horrible <laughs> drunk who <laughs> destroyed his own life? Everybody is aggrandizing him and stuff. Yeah. And you instead have him go like, get in the fucking plane and die already. Did that make the Comedy Central run? Cause that was one of the, the HBO Yeah, ones. cursing yeah, in the, like, the... Actually, I saw it on Comedy Central and they, they just blank out all the curses. So oh, it's just hard okay. to follow. I don't remember it too much from Comedy Central Run either now there was it's one of the fun things to rewatch kids and I'll be like oh they cut this one like the the story I remember the one that really shocked me like Oh, what to do when you're attacked by a bear, but they, oh, they need right. a large man. <laughs> right, right. And uh, that's not the most, I get it, it's, it's as a gay person, it's not one of my favorite sketches to look back on. It's funny, but uh, Lisa calling it personal and Bar pointing out, like, <laughs> yeah, he's tried to kill he me. He's trying to kill me. But this is when, this is the episode where it becomes Lisa and Bart versus Sideshow mm-hmm. Bob, not Bart versus Sideshow right, Bob. Right, right. I mean, well, he needs Lisa's help because she's much smarter. Lisa would be involved in many of the future Bob episodes. Yeah. Like, it is Lisa and Bart fighting Bob in the suite about the atomic bomb. It's Lisa and Bart helping him yeah. against Sideshow Cecil. And so it did. She, was helped, she helped him a lot with the first one, investigation. Uh, oh, well, with Bart? And no, Bart's yeah. the one who, she doesn't believe it either. It's only Bart who points out his big feet and it all clicks together. Lisa wasn't that involved in... But he never lost his, his lack of trust in humanity or yeah, something, whatever yeah. the line was. Uh, okay, maybe Lisa's I'm, just yeah. like, maybe you're wrong, yeah, Bart, yeah. In, in Krusty gets busted. Well, before this uh, courtroom scene, we get a kind of weak scene with Marge warding away the construction equipment with her uh, rolling pin and then yes. Homer predicting a scene in the Simpsons <laughs> movie of him being smashed with a, with a wrecking ball against his own house. Yeah, I, I also did love, this is another one I caught the first time, the editorial on the newspaper page, why not let dead pets vote yeah which that is news now just like you know what i'm gonna be the editorial page in news is to be the devil's advocate for like (laughs) i don't know i mean maybe we should just kill every jew it's just like the worst possible opinion i'm just being devil's advocate who's to say and and then we get to the final court scene which then it becomes a few good men not all uh, all the president's men and Lionel Hutz is in this for like 10 seconds mm-hmm. yeah I wonder I didn't uh, dig into it I wonder if there is a similar deleted scene to what we saw in The Boy Who Knew Too Much all right. that would explain why they put Hutz in charge so he would fail this episode is already supersized so yeah but yeah. I but I'll, I as as Chris would do I will have every clip of oh yes of Phil Harmony Mr. Mayor is it true you rigged the election no, I did not. <laughs> Kids help. Oh, I don't <laughs> mind. We want these children to feel justice has been served. That way they can sleep soundly tonight on their hard, feculent motel pillows. Great you, great word there. I learned the word feculent, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, and then Lisa does what Tom Cruise does in the A Few Good Men, which is push uh, push your witness and treat him hostily until he admits to uh, to everything yeah which... you attack their you attack their pride and that's yeah. how the, uh, that's how Nicholson is undone in a few good men he mm. just admits to it because he's like you wouldn't punish me I'm too important and this is yeah. what I did because I'm so smart mm-hmm. and so this is part one you know 
Sideshow Bob, I believe you when you say you're innocent. Indeed I am. Because we all know you're a naive pawn, puppet, if you will, of the most diabolical political genius Springfield has ever known. Virtual T. Barlow! Wow, I want to see what Harry Shearer was doing during that take. It's and the way he acts definitely shows like, oh, he is guilty. Or he yeah. did. He helped with something, but... Mm, good cl- poker face, Barlow. Yeah, that Barlow just immediately falls apart. And and then then Bob is... Uh, his pride does him in, in which we get... Actually, this is... We haven't dec- uh, said a line the show yet. I think his spin, yeah. to me... His spin on You Can't Handle the Truth mm-hmm. is my line of the I show. agree how much he extrapolates from that simple line. That's the joke. You don't have the intelligence to rig an election by yourself, do you? You were just Barlow's lackey. You were Ronnie to his Nancy. Sonny to his share. Bingo to his rest of the Beatles. Enough! Lies, lies, lies! I did it! I did it all! <laughs> there! Is that what you want, <laughs> you smarmy little bastards? We want the truth! You want the truth? <laughs> you can't handle the truth! No truth handler, <laughs> you! Bah! I deride your truth handling abilities! <laughs> Will you get to the point? Yes! Only I could have executed such a masterpiece of electoral fraud. And I have the records to prove it! Here, just look at these! Each one a work of Machiavellian art! Uh, he pulls the stuff. floppy disks out of his hair. Too. Yeah, and like four log books of yeah. like Bob's fraud log, <laughs> which I get that now. Is you say it out loud, it's a funny thing to say. <laughs> it's it's obviously not as funny as Arrested Development. Bob's fraud log. Bob blah blah's log fraud log. Blah <laughs> blah. And the uh, but yes, that he's so proud of it that is like his work of Machiavellian mm. arts to to replace also that is a thing you hear every election from both sides yeah. in america of just saying like oh i bet all those dead people are gonna yeah. vote like oh you got every dead person in chicago voting for yeah. you kennedy yeah. huh? no obviously and, hillary stole all those votes in the states that she absolutely didn't need any votes in yeah <laughs> she wanted to steal way more votes in california <laughs> so she'd win california and i mean now this stance and they i still hear the dead voted for you type thing <laughs> but now more it's like them illegals voted for you. Yeah, and, multiple uh, times even. Three million illegals. Like, the truth in America is no one wants to vote. And no, so, it's too hard. It costs money and yeah, time and resources. There, there is no voter fraud because it's, or at least, like, not of illegal immigrants or people who can't vote going to vote because nobody wants to do that. Voting's no fun. I just love... Bah! I deride your truth handling ability. No truth handler, you. <laughs> truth handler, you. Uh, though secrets of a successful marriage just did it. A you did, can't yeah. handle the truth bit. So, which I mean, in real time, was four months ago. Mm-hmm. It, it was in May of 1994. This is October 1994. It was a good deconstruction of that phrase. Mm. Yes. Just like building <laughs> off of it twice. No truth handler, you. That that. <laughs> The way he could said it to you, he says, you're not a truth handler, but instead, yeah. no truth handler, handler you. you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I Very love great commas place in that What sentence. is the better delivery of you can't handle the truth? Mm. Homer's like montage of movie quotes or this? I'd say I like Bob. I mean, Kelsey Grammer, no one can beat him. In his Kelsey Grammer just rules. And, and then he explains why pe- the appeal mm. of the Republican Party. And it's still true. <laughs> but why? Because you need me, Springfield. Your guilty conscience may force you to vote Democratic, 
But deep down inside, you secretly long for a cold-hearted Republican to lower taxes, brutalize criminals, and rule you like a king. That's why I did this. To protect you from yourselves. Now, if you don't mind, I have a city to run. Bailiffs, place the mayor under arrest. What? Oh, yes. All that stuff I did. All that stuff I did. All that stuff. That's I, great. That is my writer up live the show. Like, oh, right. All that stuff I For did. his very, like, regal speeches, like, oh, all that stuff I did. Yes. <laughs> it really just undercuts that. And I just love his clenched fish when he says, rule you <laughs> like a king. I mean, that explains our current president. Uh, You know, uh, a lot of Republican voters respond well to authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. As long as they know they're not going to be the victims. And bad haircuts. And then when they find out they are the victims, they're like, wait, no, I voted for you to take these things <laughs> away from people who aren't me. I have to blame someone else for this. Yep, it's definitely not... <laughs> uh, I, I also saw this scene referenced multiple people when Donald Trump Jr. posted those emails. Like, see, here's the emails. Like, this is that scene. This is it saying, like, no, I did it. Except there is never. Go- I I hope I'm wrong on this, but I doubt there will ever be an oh all that stuff I did. Moment. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. There's no accountability. <laughs> no, and in my mind, I'm assuming that either Quimby, the real election results hmm. then showed Quimby won, so then Quimby became mayor, or they just had a special runoff and Quimby won that. But either yeah. way, Quimby is marrying him, though they don't explain it. Yeah, and uh, then Bart gets to go back the first uh, fourth grade, even though he won't find out <laughs> who the dish ran away with. Uh, I love that little that, that spoon, photo. Bart. His, his smile in <laughs> in that. Uh, newspaper photo. Good old hey diddle diddle. Yeah, yes. well, meanwhile, Bart has, like, uh, Lisa has a grouse in the photo. Yes. And, and also, that a class ends with, and the dish ran away with. Yeah, uh, we'll do it well, next, next time. Well, next time. I'll tell you next. <laughs> we week. won! You gotta pat, you gotta pat out classes, yes. though. Kindergarten. Really you do. got a lot of wait, uh, time to kill. Well, we do learn that crime doesn't pay. Someday I'll have my vengeance. Someday, when I find my way out of this savage, roach ridden cesspool. Say, Terwilliger's a yelly. Bob, come along. We need a knife to roll against the Princeton alarms. <laughs> Princeton? <laughs> it's back. Stroke. Stroke. Sorry, it's Princeton that elicits the same response as a rake. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. If you're a yelly. <laughs> well, yes, because uh, I didn't go. I couldn't get in, like, sniffing distance of any <laughs> of those schools. Uh. But they're all Ivy League schools <laughs> that have a uh, rivalry. Yeah. It's really Harvard and Yale, and then Princeton's kind of on the outside, I feel yeah. like. It's, it's, like, it's, it's always like Stanford and Berkeley, too. Mm. Yeah, 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 totally. Go Berkeley, Bears, <laughs> woo. Yay. But... Uh, but this the joke here is that Bob traded up because <laughs> he was in real prison, and then he goes to political crime prison, <laughs> yeah. which is not prison. He's standing at the open gates, and mm-hmm. uh, Springwood, where he's in prison, is a parody of Allenwood, which apparently is a real minimum security mm-hmm. pr- uh, prison for you know white collar crime. Uh, this also reminds me of the great state sketch. The honor system yes. prison. It's like, as a favor to me, don't go out this gate. <laughs> but that but he said to consider it <laughs> off limits. <laughs> that, that moment, though, it's it, it's played straight in Wolf of Wall Street, but it's this exact same scene yeah. of, oh, I thought I was going to be punished, then I remembered. I'm rich. And it's... <laughs> That is the exact thing. Like, a white-collar crime is just more of like, yeah, the class of crime. You, All crime should be equal, but clearly somebody selling crack versus somebody defrauding people through uh, through illegal means, 
one's nicer and one gets a <laughs> yeah. less time in a nicer place. And perhaps race has something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But, but that this also sets up that Bob was a Yaley, which I don't think uh, it had been said mm. before that he went to he Yale. He has the boorish manners of a Yaley. <laughs> yes, well, and that is... Oakley and Weinstein are one of many Harvard oh, graduates right. who were members of the staff. And though the Princeton setup, actually, my new continuity in my head is that his hate of Princeton is extra because Cecil uh, Terwilliger oh, went yeah. to Princeton like, you know, four years at Clown College. I'll, I'll, I'd like you to not call Princeton that. That's <laughs> great. I totally forgot about that line. Mm-hmm. But man, this could be our longest episode yes. ever. We had to work it, an entire is. history lesson about Watergate. Uh, so much political stuff. In retrospect, we should have read every name from that law from <laughs> but, the voting logs. Yes, but, but this <laughs> this is my new favorite episode in the thing. I like this more. It's so than densely packed. It's, yeah. it's so much is I. My, I think my favorite one. Before this was either yeah. Mr. Plow, the, the Skinner one, the uh, Sweet Summer uh, Skinner's Sweet, badass Sweet song. Skinner. Yeah, that was my favorite. But also, now, Oakley and Weinstein. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is my favorite to date. It yeah. is. So funny, so political, everything in it still works today. It's but both dated and not dated. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. And that it is a tour de force for Kelsey Grammer. It is some of the best I think acting in lines. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it my, be, it's my favorite. My, it's absolutely my favorite sideshow Bob. I think it is for me, too. Yeah, I like yeah. next season's one, but yeah, this is a great one, season too. Season six just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. well, so the one a, I... Man, his... Though his stuff with David Hyde Pierce oh, in the Cecil great. episode yeah. is yeah. so great too, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But this, mm. yeah, this is my year. new favorite episode. I love awesome. this one, and I apologize for none of my comments. <laughs> uh, I regret nothing. Oh, oh, by the way, this is Bob Mackey. Thank yes. you for listening to this ultra long episode. I appreciate it so much. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. Every Monday and sometimes Friday at Retronauts.com, you can go there, find a new classic gaming podcast with a new topic you probably know about. Uh, look for it in your podcast device if you're unfamiliar with Retronauts. Uh, just find a subject that you like or know about and download that uh, a podcast, and I, I guarantee you will probably like our conversation about it. Yes, and also if you enjoy the show and you would want to hear it a week early and ad-free, you can go to patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons, and for just $5 a month you can get access to that. And not just that, our season 5 wrap-up, our season 5 deleted scene special, our every episode of Talking Critic from now on where we're going to do the same for this for every episode of The Critic and tons more awesome stuff. Just $5 a month. It is what pays for me and Bob to live. It's mm-hmm. paying our rent and we are closing mm-hmm. in and our second big goal. And so we could start another podcast. If you want more podcasty goodness for us, do that, please. But also we are still proudly hosted on the Laser Time Network, yes. right, Dave? Uh, yeah, lasertimepodcast.com. Uh, that's the home of the Mothership Laser Time show. Uh, we've done recent episodes on what farts and uh, man. We just put up. The, well, uh, we did Spider Man. We yes. did the one. Uh, we did one about canceled yeah. rides and oh, yeah, amusement parks. Controversial songs. So and, many great. Yeah, things. Trace last, Ballou interview. Yeah. Our yeah. interview with Trace Ballou, yeah. one of the creators. Uh, well, one of the lead guys on yes. MST. The architects. I and yes. last year we did an episode about. Fake politicians in in movies. I think we probably briefly talked about Bob Roberts yeah. during that episode. Though he's not important to any of us. Yeah. Like none of us are big Bob Which Roberts. Is, yeah, like that's another thing. Like in this episode, this is probably the longest time between seeing an episode name and realizing what it was referring to. <laughs> And also, if you like all this history stuff, there's 30, 2010. We talked about the Iran-Contra affair quite a bit, because uh, that took place in 1987. But uh, yeah, that's it for books. 
Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with Treehouse 4 or 5. We might go for under two hours that time. See you then. Wow. Infotainment.